Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Hey guys, we're using Poshmark and you should too. Do you have things that you don't wear anymore? Poshmark is seriously the easiest way to make room in your closet, make some cash, and also snag a bargain. It's the coolest reseller with the best brands like Lululemon, Nike Reformation, and Gucci for up to 70% off. DJ Khaled has a closet and Serena Williams. Download the app today. Enter Podcast 10 when you sign up for $10 off your first purchase on Poshmark. Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed your 4th of July weekend. I know I did. First, let me tell you about Simply Safe. If you got uh, 30 minutes, you never have to worry about home break-ins ever again with Simply Safe. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Adam. Choose the exact sensors you need and get help from one of their experts if necessary. It's um, it's a way to get your house set up, and it only takes about a week. You order everything you need. Your customized system shows up, and you install it easily. So go to simplysafe2eyes.com slash Adam. Chris and Gio are going to be doing classic Corolla, so look forward to a little classics on your uh, on your day off, hopefully. First, I'll tell you about GEICO. Do you own, do you rent your home? Well, you do one or the other, and then there's your automotive policy. Well, how about you get your bundle working when you put everything together at GEICO.com. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance policy along with your automotive policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could be saving and how easy it is to save at Geico. That's Geico.com. Hi, you're listening to Corolla Classics for July 5th, 2021, Independence Day Observed. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a show where we play highlights of the Adam Corolla Show over the years. My name is Chris Loxamana, the executive producer of the Adam Corolla Show. And with me, as always, Corolla archivist, super fan Giovanni. Hey, everybody. We got all those cliffhangers left over from the 4th of July. Hope you're excited to hear them. Let's do it. Let's kick it off with a clip from 2010. Adam will uh, talk to producer and writer William McDonald. Adam Carolla Show 322, original format before the switch. This one's from May of 2010. It's Adam and William one-on-one. Here's a nice little chunk. Check it out. Welcome to the podcast, producer, writer, William McDonald. William, uh, William has done some shows. Well, we'll talk about Rome, and uh, we'll talk about some of the other projects uh, you've done over the years. Um, right before we went on the air, you said something about a P-51 Mustang, my favorite airplane. Uh, well, yeah, I have some friends that uh, for many years were involved with the uh, Museum of Flying at Santa Monica. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, they had a team, um, Alan Preston and David Price and... The museum had a number of uh, operational combat aircraft. About at one point, about sixty of them. So they and uh, that group had restored not only the Mustang, which called Cottonmouth, but uh, also had had restored really the finest operational Zero A six M. Oh, really? It was a beautiful, beautiful aircraft. That's amazing. How many of those aircraft were produced in World War II, and how many exist today? I mean, I don't know if, you, you know, you don't find that ratio with Coke machines. There's a lot of Coke machines made in the 40s, and there's still a lot of vintage Coke machines today. 
they're not so many zeros, Hellcats. Well, generally, Coke machines you don't you're not fired on when you're when you're using a Coke machine. Well, the you know? parts of the South will get shot at if you're <laughs> at a Coke machine. That's Pepsi country. No, yeah, but they just crushed a lot of the stuff and just used. You know, airplanes are made of a lot of them made got a lot of aluminum in there, and there's lots of good parts. Yeah, and. They ain't worth anything. Yeah, just push them off the back of an aircraft carrier. I mean, all yeah. the beautiful Grumman's were all just yeah at the tail end. Yeah, absolutely insane how much of that stuff literally just. Well, you'll went see in the, the aviation drink. community. I know you're in the automotive, heavy in the automotive, but you know most of the people. I think there are 177 P fifty one Ds, the last model flying around, and and most of the people know people that own them. And when the plane crashes, you know, it's they're very sad for the pilot, but they're absolutely ruined about the airplane because they just chalked one more off. Right, yeah. Yeah. Guy died in a Nevada racing one, which is sad for his wife, but sadder for us. There's one less P-51. That's kind of the attitude, yeah. There's not much, and when those things, you know, when when you're into... I like doing vintage car races, and when those things get crashed, those things get put back together. Some guy with an English wheel shows up, and he gets 150 bucks an hour, but he'll get it back together. Uh, When a Mustang crashes... Probably. Unless you're starting from scratch, unless you've got the firewall forward, you can't really create a new one. Probably not much to do there. And that's an interesting thing, and uh, then we'll get into producing and riding and all that. I have an old car. I have a 65 Alpha. Oh, you do? It's just the cutest little thing. Which one? Juliana? Yep. Wow. See? I know something. And we're going to take that out racing one of these days. We just had it kind of fixed up. Well, it it makes you. Well, it was funny. Well, a couple things. The P-51 Mustang, I think Tom Cruise has one. And I've always... It was interesting because I saw saw him on like 2020 or 48 Hours or, I don't know, one of those news shows. And they did a whole thing on him, a whole expose. And I said... uh, And they showed him, hey, loves to fly his P-51 Mustang. And I thought, wow, man, that's a lot of plane for a celebrity. That's no joke. That's no... That's no Piper there, you know. No, yeah. a lot of lot of lot of V twelve in front of you, and so and then I I saw Tom Cruise uh, once in my life. By the way, it's the only time I saw him. <laughs> he came over to Jimmy Kimmel's house and he brought cupcakes, and it's a, and, and his mom, and then drank bottled water while we all watched football and drank beer. But anyway, I said to him, um, super nice guy. I said, "Geez, I saw that Mustang. I said, that's, that's unbelievable." But I was a little suspicious. I said. I said, man, getting into a Mustang and going solo—that's that's pretty hairy. I'm I'm surprised that the uh, you know folks who insure you let you <laughs> yeah. do that. And he said, it's a tandem. It's one of the only TF. Yeah, yeah the trainer, whatever. And I didn't want to Dual call control. him a pussy or anything, but I did. I, I did a quick math where I went, oh, I see. <laughs> like, not that it's still not an accomplishment, but little most of the Mustangs I was familiar with were just single. Yeah, well, they're very, very rare TFs. I mean, there are probably only six of them, maybe. Right, and uh, he he had one of those. But I thought one of the craziest things you could do, really, uh, one of the greatest celebrity freakouts, because it's hard to top celebrities like Courtney Love and people like that. They're doing a lot of stupid shit, you know, Lindsay Lohan (laughs) and people like that. But the, the greatest of all time would be if Tom Cruise just went nuts and hopped into that Mustang and just started strafing Hollywood Boulevard and strafing Santa Monica Boulevard, just loaded up the 50-millimeter whatever and just went nuts. That yeah. would be the greatest. You could it never would, top that. It would definitely you know, outshine the sofa. 
Yeah, you, you can. Yeah, jumping up on the sofa. That would this, be that nothing. Would be a bit more spectacular. It's more like 1941. Yeah, like the movie, the Belushi movie. And I don't think any celebrity would ever outdo it. And think about this. You know, cop helicopter couldn't catch up to that plane. That plane no. goes 500 miles an hour. You'd have to scramble military. Yeah. Aircraft, and now you have military aircraft flying over Sunset Boulevard <laughs> and firing Sparrow missiles at Tom Cruise in a P fifty one Mustang. Yeah, that would uh, that would be quite a show. Would you watch that? I don't know if I'd watch it, but I'd certainly like to see the pieces after that. It would be the ultimate celebrity <laughs> freakout. Uh, yeah, and speaking of uh, nineteen forty one, I was at Spielberg. That was like one of his only flops. Uh, a long time or, ago, though. I think it's eighty. Or 83 or something. 81. Earlier, 81. Yeah. Well, maybe. Anyway, so, uh, William, producing. Right. How'd you get into that? Well, I sort of back ended into it. I, I ended up, uh, I had a, a company that manufactured plastics and things overseas, and I ended up uh, selling that and becoming sort of a troubleshooter in these countries. A lot of productions get in, they get a little awkward when they're in foreign countries. And so I ended up consulting for guys oh they didn't know how to deal with yeah, the, each uh, culture has kind of a different there. way of doing things and so you know uh, at least in the old days you know this is much more a co-production sort of environment at this point but in the old days uh you know it was very much an american experience of an american production and sometimes they were a little clumsy about dealing with the local regulations and things and so i i sort of was a troubleshooter for some of those and uh Ultimately, one of them, uh, we sort of fixed a big problem with the workman's comp in Spain, and the guys offered me a trip to uh, L.A., and I hadn't been here. I grew up in San Francisco, but I hadn't been to L.A. but once, really. And uh, I came and ended up meeting a, a producer and thought this was a very interesting bit of business, particularly the editing part of this business, because you can essentially take pieces from different scenes and use them uh, pretty much interchangeably. And as the... As the uh, technology got better, where it became even more facile, it, it absolutely fascinated me. So I ended up... The editing. Yeah, yeah, the editing. Because you really can cut and paste these things in any number of ways. And now with the Avids and the, and the, and the great technology, you're not literally cutting and pasting. You're digitally cutting and pasting. Which well, you know, what it, you know what it does? Because I've done a lot of editing myself, not... Not editing, but sitting behind the poor guy who right. is doing the editing, who is going fucking insane. You get to do a lot of, let's try it this way. Precisely. Uh, eh, I was wrong. That didn't work. Put it back to where it was. Right. And, you know, obviously back in the day, we are getting out a razor blade and some scotch tape. There wasn't, you had to think long and hard before you went, let's try it this way. Because that was a couple hours of work. Yeah, well, it was more than that. And, and they, they had a lot of deterioration. You know, you had degradation of the film. So, I mean, you had to be very careful if you had specific scenes that you had to copy a lot if you were going to do different versions. But it was very, very labor intensive. And uh, I also see here that you were once engaged to Sharon Stone. A long time ago, yes. She seems nutty to me. Well, she's, uh, she's a different personality. She's got her own. <laughs> She's got her own way of doing things. I saw her. I've uh, I've never met her, uh, but I did see her one time when I was driving uh, through Pasadena, right. and I saw her in a uh, convertible Aston Martin DB7, and the top was down, and I pulled up to a stoplight, and I turned to my left, and I said, hey, it's Sharon Stone. And then I thought, hey, if I was a weirdo, I'd follow her right now. Yeah. Uh, thank God uh, I had places to go. But then I thought, she's tooling all around town with the top down. 
And, uh, but you admired the car, right? You were, I, I like a DV7. Uh, yeah, I, like, did, yeah. I, I love that supercharged straight six. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, if I were her husband, and I think at the time it was the guy who was uh, attacked by the uh, uh, dragon at the L.A. Zoo and got his toe bit off or something, uh, which is another <laughs> weird story. That could have easily been you, William. Mm, yeah. uh, Don't wear white tennis shoes. But, the, but uh, I remember thinking, if I were her husband, I, I'd say no convertibles. Because I don't, I don't want a weirdo seeing you and following you around. No, uh, yeah, I think like a safety issue if you're Sharon Stone. Probably, it's probably a safety issue for a lot of people. But I think a lot of people actually uh, enjoy the attention. You know, it just depends on. Oh, how you think she? Well, may, you mentioned Lindsay Lohan and these. Yeah, she may enjoy. They, Sharon enjoyed I'd, the attention. Well, I, I don't know. She, um, you know, she has her own way of approaching life, and yeah, I wish her well. Eccentric. Uh, yeah, highly intelligent, and uh, you know, I think very passionate about some causes. She just, you know, is her own kind of in her own world. Yeah, and then in her own world, like it doesn't. There, there's some people that are in, well, like uh, you, you work with uh, Val Kilmer. Right. There's a guy who seems like he's a, in in his own world. Uh, yeah, I've never had the kind of problems that uh, you know the other people rumors have. Are, yeah, my wife actually, my Louisa Spring, she actually represents his ex-wife, uh-huh. and uh, so. I'm, Pause on any comments, but no, I, I, I don't. Uh, I've, I've never had any issues with him, but uh, others claim that he's very, very difficult. I it was never my experience on the Saint, right? On the Saint, and uh, which you produced, right? Yeah, he he seems. Um, it's weird. There's sort of uh, drug-induced difficult, and then there's just marches to the beat of a different drum. Difficult, and I, I, I put Sharon and Val into the marches to the beat of a different. Drum. <laughs> I think you're difficult. Right. That's rather than I'm just high. Yeah, yeah, I don't think certainly Sharon. Uh, wasn't Gary high. Busey, by the way, both, <laughs> which is really trouble. Like that's that's what happens when you get now. Now you got both. He was fantastic. We did the Rough Riders together a long, long time ago. And, oh, uh, with Busey. Yeah, he played a General Shafter or somebody. I think he and he was he was uh, so flamboyant that. About every two or three days, we had to move him from a hotel to the next because he was just so over the top expressive. He'd come back in his uniform, and people would be running around out of the elevators and charging out of the hotel, complaining because he has this big booming voice. He's a big guy; he's not a small guy. No, he—I know him fairly well, and he is one of these guys who he's figured out something about psychology, which is. I'm a, I'm a big guy, and I got a bigger voice, and if I kind of get in your face and make you think I might stab you with something <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen or fireplace poker yeah. at any time, that you will constantly be off balance around me, <laughs> yeah. and thus I will always get my way. Yeah. And he'll get into, he'll, he'll like in lean into you, yeah. he'll press his nose against your retina, <laughs> and he'll say, you know what, Adam? I could reach out right now, snatch your jugular, and rip it from your neck. And you'd go, uh, look, I just asked if you want to use the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, that's I, all. I offered you some sweet yeah. tea, that, that pole house cookies. That's all I said. Right. Yeah, I could do that. Or I could get my sword. And you're like, all right, we get it. You're the guy. <laughs> you're the alpha male. If we ever have sex, Gary, you'll get to be the top. I, I understand. But well, so staying in the same hotel... With that, what's that? That's some visual. I don't know about that. Well, I'm just saying, if it came down to it, I, right. you know, I just, I, I would be the guy on the bottom. I, I got to be honest with you. So I think Gary freaks people out, but I think he kind of knows what he's doing. 
Yeah, I think it's part or he of his did persona. He doing. Of, you know, he's just over the top. I mean, he is. This is a guy that really engages. I mean, he is enthusiastic about everything. But it's weird. Don't you find it weird um, that some celebrities? We already see, like Sharon Stone or Gary Busey. We already know it's you. Um, why draw more to you? And then isn't that uncomfortable? Like, I'm a somewhat of a celebrity, and sometimes I show up in places on an airplane or something, and people I can see people they're talking. Hey, that's that guy. And I know they're looking that's at me, that guy. They don't know who I am, but they go, hey, that's that guy. And, and then I'll stand up and, you know, the the flight attendant will come by and go like, sir, you can't put that in overhead. And then I realize not only am I getting the attention that I would get from just being dressed down by the flight attendant that anyone would get, <laughs> but also they go, hey, it's Adam Carolla getting yelled at by the flight attendant. Now I, I become self-conscious. Like, it's extra weird. Not only is it that embarrassment but it's embarrassment on top of embarrassment yeah. because they might go home and go hey guess who i saw getting yelled at by the right. versus right. the person they don't recognize so you always wonder with the sharon stones and the gary Buseys, you're getting the attention already why why more does that seem uncomfortable i don't know if they're necessarily seeking it but i think they they just get that much more attention by who they are well, Gary Busey ain't exactly flying under the radar. No, <laughs> he, him running around yelling at everybody, "This Buddy Holly's guitar," <laughs> and then threatening them is yeah. probably not a way to quietly, you know. Jodie Foster probably slide. Who knows? I may have passed Jodie Foster. I may have fucked Jodie Foster. I don't even know. That's how stealthy she is. I could have walked past her a thousand times. Right. Never knew it was Jodie Foster. Right. Gary Busey. Never passed it. You're going to know it. You never drove past his house. Yeah. He didn't know <laughs> it was him. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, Rome, by the way, as long as, uh, as, long as we're talking about uh, movies here. Uh, got picked up. Going to be made into a movie? Yeah. There are, uh, the, my other colleagues on it are really sort of spearheading that uh, endeavor. But, uh, yeah, they, there's a whole plan to uh, continue the, the story uh, and jump about 10 or 12 years. We're also doing the Saint. We're doing a, Are you a, doing a new series of based on the character of the Saint, and uh, the Rome. Uh, sorry, the Rome. <laughs> the Rome. I took the Saint and, the, and <laughs> Rome and made it in a, one one movie. That's the, interesting. The That's Rome. Clever. Can you make a movie? Uh, there's no such. I mean, I know. There's technically you could do it, but I mean, the budget for something like the Saint or Rome's got to be. Over the top, right? Well, Rome was was expensive uh, by its very nature, but also the the guys at HBO had this a very very ambitious and grand uh, vision of this thing. So it, it, it the movie will be a little bit more modest, I think, in its production costs. But uh, the idea is to carry on uh, with the uh, the story that was sort of introduced in the latter half of the second season, which is about this young boy. And he's grown up now. And I, I always ask, and uh, no one really has an answer, but maybe you do, hmm. about um, you know whether it's Rome or the Tudors or whatever big production is on a you know uh, on a on a cable station that doesn't have advertising. Uh, how do they ever make their money back on that? Do they ever make their money back? I, I mean, I know if something catches fire like The Sopranos, 
you know, they sell a lot of DVDs. Yeah. It's a vanity thing. No, like, it's, they, no it's an economic thing. They, it's an they, economic thing. Yeah. I mean, like, what would ballpark, what would Rome cost an episode on HBO? About 10.2 million. About 10.2. It's on the ballpark of 10.2. So, yeah. so it's $10 million. But, so, you know. but you've got to understand in the, in the premium cable business, you know, there's a very high attrition per month. There is. Yeah, but not just on the basis that people, uh, well, lots of people move and don't sign up for a couple of months. Other people just quit for whatever reason. But the, the difference, uh, Rome or The Sopranos that actually ended up becoming an ongoing series are event programming to induce subscribers. And you can actually uh-huh. measure it. And you'll, you'll even measure uh, seasonally. People actually, particularly in this economy, will drop uh, HBO or a pay a premium cable uh network for a period of time and then they'll re-sign up for a specific show and we saw oh, that really? specifically with uh, with some of the big event ones Band of Brothers Deadwood Rome uh, even uh, Pacific now you'll see a big spike in the viewer, in, in the subscriptions and then it'll taper off at the last episode and, really? and even and even uh, seasons afterwards you'll see a spike of the same show the people that really liked it right so that's sort of the break even if uh-huh. you can get the numbers to spike, if you're talking about twelve bucks a month, right? You get right. two, three million of those people. Right, you're, you're almost at a break-even proposition, and then the great profits are in the DVD, the box sets, because the sure. box sets sell. I mean, Band of Brothers. I don't know what how many two million box sets or something. You know, really? It's, yeah, it's a big, big, big number. Yeah. Yeah, and and then in the other some of the other franchises, they've managed to very successfully spin them into successful features, like Sex and the City. Oh, well, yeah. Never really thought about that. So that's a franchise that can be exploited um, pretty much forever. (laughs) Sex in the City. (laughs) I I just watched it in a hotel room in Atlanta. I'm the only uh, heterosexual married 40-something-year-old male on the planet that uh, admits (laughs) to enjoying Sex in the City. And I even saw the first movie with uh, my, my wife and uh, then, of course, the new movie's coming out. Right. And I I guess I was joking that it's coming out on my birthday, May 27th. Uh, must be a Friday. And I said, uh, I, was, I was joking to my wife, oh, hey, Sex in the City. Uh, Sex in the City coming out on my birthday. So now we know how to celebrate, you know, because I'm really <laughs> the only straight guy in the full fucking theater. And it's not that I'm pussy whipped. I like Sex in the City. I don't love Sex in the City. I like Sex in the City. And I'm not going to just brush it off because it's chicks and they're talking about having sex with guys and drinking cosmopolitans mm-hmm. and shopping. So it doesn't have to be all about shit that I'm into. Right. And I'm, I'm into cars and building. I'm not into couture. But either way, I'll watch. Yeah. So, uh, and I enjoyed the series. So um, my wife says to me um, yesterday, she says... Uh, Hey, you know what I thought would be fun with your birth for your birthday? I said, uh, she said, uh, we'll go out to dinner. We'll get Jimmy Kimmel and Tony Barbieri and a bunch of old friend guys who worked on the Man Show and worked on work now work on Jimmy's TV show. And we'll get the group together, the core together, you know, the five couples or whatever. And we'll go out to dinner and then we'll go see Sex in the City. 
And I was like, are you fucking high? Jimmy's not going to go see Sex in the City. And she's like, what? I thought that was your thing. I thought you were like, no, I'm the only dude. Those guys would club you. You'll be choked out. Well, they certainly out. would be proud about it. Jimmy They're not going to be telling their friends. my wife man. out with a licorice vine, with a red vine, if uh, it was dragged. No one's going to that. We're not going to celebrate my birthday by making all my friends miserable uh, at Sex in the City. But that first movie... $200 million? I mean, I, I don't know. It's still making money. I don't yeah. know when the dust settled on it, if it, you know, internationally. Yeah, I'm sure. The DVD's got to be great on that movie. Uh, I mean, totally insane, yeah. right? Well, I think it's pretty well done. And those those characters are, I mean, they're very memorable. You know, we're very close. My wife, Louise, and I are very close to Chris Noth, big. And uh, I You're think close he's, to big. Yeah, and he's, yeah. I think he's kind of shocked at the success of the movies. I don't think he was much by the by the uh, series because it had such a great audience and uh, you know, that was very well crafted though I mean these guys they, they really know what they're doing Inter- US gross 150 international 260 worldwide 415 million and uh, the DVD sales another 85 million dollars yeah, I mean it's totally insane and yeah. I just that's off the top of my this head this is great this little thing yeah. it's just sort of like ahs you can just have this pulled up I wear one of those little uh, quarterback can... wristbands yeah, except yeah. for with plays it just has statistics about sex in the city and I yeah. just I just look you at really it. are a, a groupie then yeah yeah, so, yeah. I'm no Terry Bradshaw I'm a Carrie Bradshaw the that's Carrie the... Bradshaw yeah <laughs> and I love the fact that Carrie Bradshaw always makes me think of Terry Bradshaw, but I'm guarantee I'm the only one watching Sex and City. You are knows, unique in that. Uh, those who uh, there's no the, doubt. Uh, great pro ball. No one would have put Beaver those two Falls together. Is, yeah. yeah. So now the new one will it's come right out below the Ottawa's, and uh, I'll I'll have to watch that. Uh, I got a couple things with Sex and the City. I I don't need to watch. I don't need to see them all naked. Do you know what I mean? I don't need. I, I don't mind seeing some of them naked, but I don't need all of them right. naked. I don't. I don't need. The, I don't. I don't see the redheads' tits. I don't need that. Now that I know she's a lesbian too, it's kind of like I don't. It, it ruins it for me a little. Well, bit. I can see that. Well, with the Terry Bradshaw connection, I can see how that might be offensive. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you got you know uh, big you know Peter Noth, yeah, uh, Chris. North. I mean, sorry, Chris yeah. Noth. Yeah, so I got Peter North, the porn star, actually. I think that's what I did. There's yeah. a famous porn star named Peter North, and I probably did Peter Knopf. We'll have to tell him that. That's mistaken. Disgusting. And Chris is mistaken for a porn star case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems like a nice enough guy. Fabulous guy. Great I'm guy. not happy that he broke Carrie's heart on her wedding day. I mean, left yeah. at the altar. Yeah. Yeah. Well. He got nervous. That's drama. You know? Yeah. So that movie's going to make another 500 million bucks. There you go. Right there. And uh, he's... Uh, now, she's probably got points on this thing, right? She's in for a taste. I would think everybody in that cast is in for a taste. You think that's how it works? Well, I would think so. I mean, each one's essential. They're, it's very hard to recast that. And, and besides, those guys are, are pretty generous guys anyways. They're not, they're not real difficult, the HBO people. I, I, I'm sure they are. I mean, that's an ensemble cast, man. You can't, you can't do much unless you write maybe one out. But that, that really requires the, f- the four or five of them. Right. So Sarah Jessica Parker's... I mean, she's 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 going to be in for. She's like, one of the producers, I think. Now she'll be in for like a Floyd Mayweather Jr. kind <laughs> yeah. of payday on this thing. I, I don't know her deal, but I'm sure she is one of the producers. And I, well, uh, it, it stands to reason that she's going to be good for thirty to fifty million dollars on a thing. I, it's a four hundred million dollar franchise, yeah, right? I would. I, I don't know, but I'm. That is a highly profitable. That's a great ROI, return on investment, oh, yeah. because those aren't super, super expensive. You know, they don't. 
you don't have huge amounts of action. You don't have huge amounts of special effects. It's not period. So right. you're talking about r- relatively consistent and, and pretty cost effective. Yeah, I mean, they're beautifully shot, but they're, you don't have to take down the Empire State Building or blow up right. Manhattan or, or flood or Manhattan. Yeah, so yeah, to do anything like that. So it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, the cost is really probably more for the talent than it, it is. is for anything yeah, I'm else. Sure that's more above the line than below. Yeah. Right. And uh, we're something like Rome. We had a huge blow the line. The, the set itself was... Where was the set? In Rome, Italy. So it was... I think it was six acres or something. It was one of the largest sets I think ever built. It was so large that during production, you know, we had a lot of animals and a lot of children. And you'd have to tie the kids up at the end of shootings because they'd go wandering down streets and disappear places. And, sure. You know, because they get curious. They see chickens or goats or something. And sure, and they're chasing around. them. Yeah. yeah. So we... we Counted them all at the end and tied them all up. Jesus Christ! I didn't know uh, you shot in Rome. And yeah, geez, what a set. So uh, then, who would star? Who do you have uh, slated? Well, the uh, again, I'm, I'm a little tangentially involved because these guys <clears throat> are really the uh, involved with HBO more than I am. But they're uh, uh, the two lead guys, uh, mm-hmm. Titus Pulo, uh, which is Ray Stevenson, another great friend. And uh, Lucius Varenas, which is played by Kevin McKidd, they will definitely be in it. And I think Polly Walker as well, who played Atia, who's the, the Emperor's mother. And then the story picks up uh, with the young man. Uh, the last scene is, let me tell you about your father, which was a conceit that we'd made about um, Cleopatra being so interested in having a child uh-huh. with Caesar that she bedded uh, one of the soldiers to make sure she was pregnant the night she was going to meet him. Uh-huh. And that was largely on the basis that Cleopatra could only marry a god. And mm-hmm. the only god she knew was her brother. So she'd been married to her brother for oh, several years who was about six years younger than she was. And so Caesar was originally a descendant of the goddess Venus. So she was allowed to marry him. And um, how much as I really don't know anything about history, Roman history... And I, I know they they dig up an, uh, a lot of you know a lot of artifacts and they can figure out a lot of the stuff the Colosseum and all that stuff. But I mean, how much do they really know about the culture and the the the, the you know the way they spoke, for instance? And and I, I mean, how much of it I, can be accurately based on? Uh, is some of it just based on the movie that came before it? <laughs> well, that, I mean? that was the real differentiation. That's why this is a bit different. We tried to... My original concept, as the creator of the thing, was um, was to do sort of a Sergio Leone version of, of Rome because mm-hmm. all in the past, these guys came out of battle, they weren't banged up, their hair was perfect. You know, if you see Stephen Boyd or Rex Harrison or Richard Burton, any of these guys, they all look like they just came out of the hair salon. Right. After. So the idea was to do the Sergio Leone version. Do right. the version... Uh, and so, it's funny you would ask that, because I, the first interview I gave in London, I was talking about accuracy, and this reporter piped up and said, look, man, you don't know anything about accuracy, because you made it all up. You guys, Bruno and, and John Millis, and I made up really what they said. You're really talking about authenticity, because we don't really know what they specifically said. The, the, the three sources of contemporaneous sources are Plutarch, Ptolemy, I mean... Uh, Suetonius and Julius Caesar. And Caesar was writing about himself. So, you know, whenever somebody's writing about himself, he's going to write a little bit sure. differently than somebody else. So we, and even the famous quotes, let the dice fly, or, or the, the dice cast, really was 
probably let the dice fly, meaning as opposed to I'm committed and it's irrevocable right. to let's see how this works out. Right. Same with a tu brute, which was a, uh-huh. a Shakespearean edition. Sure. He didn't really say that. He probably said, and my own son, because he'd sort of adopted this guy. Right. So, but he did say it's deja vu all over again. Well, I do believe that. <laughs> that much I know. But he had a weird day that day. And we saw some of it. I mean, so, yeah. like, like uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, how did the guys groom? Did they shave on a daily basis? Did That's all very, very authentic short? in this. The food's authentic. The fabric's authentic in this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually stitched the way. Yeah, I mean, most of the daily rituals are exactly the way they were. I mean, and if you've seen the thing, you'll see that they're very strange for our customs, very strange. I mean, men and women are separated when bathing because that's an elective practice. Right. But they all go to the bathroom together. Right. Because that's a natural process. Right. And that seems a little odd to us today. Right. It's not. And the women wore makeup. Very heavy makeup. In fact, they had huge problems with uh, cancer because it was all lead based makeup. Oh, really? So, yeah, particularly the Egyptians who wore a lot of makeup. Um, we've learned by forensics now that they had a lot of lead poisoning because they, they wore so much lead paint. And what's a, a, I don't know, we hear about things like, uh, I guess like them discovering the uh, recipe for cement, concrete, and then it being lost for, I don't know, a thousand years or whatever it was. Uh, I don't know how long it got lost for, but it got lost for That's a really right. amazing. You know that. Really I mean, long I don't know how do you know that? Well, I do know building. Oh, right. That's right. Okay. I like building. So, right. you know, anything as it pertains to buildings. Uh, they invented the I Claudius beam. Mm-hmm. That's a little I beam humor there. I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. didn't work as well. But they, this well, they had actually submarine concrete. Some of those aqueducts were actually made with concrete that congeals in water, which is really? mind boggling. Wow. And that was lost until I think. Maybe the 19th century. I mean, yeah. they, they were having a bitch with it. Um, we didn't have... Well, I mean, if you think about it, so so this is what year, you know, when do they discover concrete? That I have no idea. But they were... cement. They were building things... Well, it certainly has to pre-exist this because there were already aqueducts and everything by now. And those right. are very sophisticated structures. Right. and all that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. A uh, couple thousand years? Well, it has to be a few hundred years before these guys. Right. But I don't know the history of concrete. The, the guys, when you see the Alexandria, the, by the time they get there, the Romans, the, the great uh, lighthouse of Pharos is gone. Uh-huh. And I'll bet that thing had to be, because it was 400 feet tall. It, so so the, 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 the point is... is they, very they, good. Yeah, I know. We've got a crack staff. They're bringing up great pictures <laughs> of uh, aqueducts. And, uh, well, actually, the means of uh, moving the water from uh, one place to the next with all these great arches. But the the um, the fact that then it was gone for so many so many years, and how how key a part it is to infrastructure. I mean, if you think about it, modern civilization without cement and concrete really just doesn't it, it, it just doesn't exist. You no. can't pile mm. stones up no. and make not that look at that make, make buildings and make freeway overpasses and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And the yeah. idea that they had this recipe and no one wrote it down. I mean, what? That seems a little bit odd to me, but I mean that's why they call it the Dark Ages, I guess. Lots yeah. of things were lost in that three or four hundred year period. What else uh, did they have back then that uh, we're not aware of? That they were sort of you know they had very advanced surgical practices. Really? I mean, oh, these guys were using anesthetics. They were uh, we actually what showed, were they used for anesthetics? I think there was a camphor based stuff, some sort of a root or something that induced kind of a quasi coma or at least sub 
sub, uh, not unconscious, subconscious sort of uh-huh. state. Uh, they had um, all, well, you just mentioned, th- this manipulation of water was really probably the key to their power. And that's derived from concrete. Right. Because some of the great outposts, like Pompeii, has no natural uh, clear water. It's on a bay. but it's, And they actually ran viaducts and aqueducts through uh, the, the volcano. And that was all done. Their manipulation of water, in fact, there was a great, the family, the hereditary family was called the Aquarius. Uh-huh. And that was a specific position that was right below the emperor or below whoever the consuls who manipulated water and he was essentially a sort of a aqua physicist mm-hmm. and a dude really knew water manipulation and that's how they could actually keep this empire along with the road building the road building was a huge right. huge thing and and did they um like what did they drink beside wine and how much were they, did well, they, they know? Were they big drinkers well yeah they, well you know this is largely influenced by greece i mean most mm-hmm. of the day-to-day Discussions were held in Greek, not Latin. Latin is a pretty difficult language uh-huh. to talk about, and they, you know, they respected the Greek culture incredibly. That's why they mimicked so much of their architecture. And, and the Greeks were big wine drinkers. They drank a lot of wine, usually mixed with water. They drank. Uh, they had their own beers. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't uh, hear about the beer so much. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, every culture has beer. Yeah, uh, and they had very, uh, I think, kind of unique foods. The uh, their one of their great delicacies that was very prevalent was lamprey fish, which was they had a sauce sort of like a hot sauce. The Latin name escapes me right now, which was essentially eels and olive oil and some spices that were left for a long time to sort of ferment, and that was kind of their ketchup. I mean, that was on everything, man. Really? Yeah, you just. Yeah, they, they made these little at the uh, at the Circus Maximus. Our, our series is before the building of the Colosseum, which was 79 A.D., some 90 years later. But at the Circus Maximus, which was the racetrack, they used to serve uh, these little hamburgers, actually, which were sort of like really? tortillas. Yeah, they ground up corn. They had corn. I think corn. Or is corn from the New World? I don't know. They made these little patties of uh, called omentata, which was a lamb based with onions and garlic in it. And they put them between, sort of like the uh, original sandwich. It probably was wheat, because I think corn is from the New World. Um, and then they'd sprinkle this, sort of like ketchup, they'd put this fish oil stuff on it. And I mean, they dipped it in everything. Really? Yeah. And so. And they had, the emperors and all had huge eel farms. I mean, all over the eel place. Eel farms? Yeah, they loved eel and lamprey, this particular kind of fish. Really? Yeah. An eel farm. Yeah. And so they figured out how to sort of breed them and keep them in captivity. And big deal. Yeah, that was a big... That was some of the most powerful people in the in the empire when they finally were emperors were the eel breeders. I mean, because these had a special talent and they could take both fresh water and salt water and they'd, they'd cook this up. And since this was the national delicacy, it's sort of like having the truffle franchise. Or right. Something. Which, by the way, truffles were introduced by Julius Caesar. He brought them back from Gaul. That became a big business for him, for Caesar. Quick break to tell you about Tommy John. Tommy John, oh, the best, especially during the summer because it's getting hot out there and you want to soak up the sun but not the sweat. That's where Tommy John comes in. Their fabrics are two to three times cooler than regular cotton. I will not leave the house without my Tommy Johns. And it's great, especially if you're out and active and cycling or hiking or taking the dog for a walk. You get uh, Tommy John underwear. By the way, once you get into this, you will not get into any other brand. Dozens of comfort innovations like breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Once you try Tommy John underwear, you are never going back. And there's a reason 
why they have the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee because they're the best. They're Tommy John, right, Dawson? Celebrate the 4th of July in cooling comfort right now. Get up to $25 off at TommyJohn.com slash Adam. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Adam for up to $25 off. TommyJohn.com slash Adam. See site for details. And that was William McDonald on the Adam Carolla Show. Now we're going to go forward to June of 2010. Dave Damashek was sitting in with Teresa Strasser and Brian Bishop for a radio show reunion. Yep, Adam Carolla Show 351 Part 2, the continuation of what we played yesterday. This is the big moment when Dave entered the studio. Check it out. Well, this is kind of early. I don't mind. Because we should make him hang out. He can hang out. Hey, oh, lovely everyone. to see Where you, David. Sit, Sit in between right us. Right in the middle. All right. right in the middle. We Paul should have Brian, Teresa, Adam, you're looking well. Thank you, David. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Damashek, who uh, I would say I first met uh, many, many years ago in Cousin Sal's uh, basement fortress at uh, Kimmel's house. I didn't talk to him for the first year because there's, I have a probationary period. I respe- I've grown to respect that. You man. have, haven't you? I resented you for about a decade, but uh, I have mm. turned the corner on that and, and, and now see the wisdom of it. Man, and look at you. You made the cut. <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a thrill. It's a thrill. Yeah, all these faces back there. There's Mike Dawson, Mike Lynch. I remember all these people. Yes, yeah. all assembled again. And I heard you complaining just a moment ago, yeah. which, uh, which uh, you know, that's a new turn for you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I've come out of my shell. <laughs> Well, Dave, uh, since you're early and we have things to talk about with you, but uh, you want to sit in on uh, Teresa's news? I, uh, I would like nothing more. Well, then you shall. Wonderful. Let it begin. From the International News Center, next to Donnie's Minibikes, this is the news with Teresa Strasser. Now, Dave, you've got a couple kids, a boy, mm-hmm. a girl. That's right, if, yes. God forbid... God forbid you decided to try to sell, say, the boy. Mm-hmm. What do you think he would go for? Uh, he's a heavy set kid, eats a lot. You know, I think uh, you would have to factor that into it. I'd like to think we could get uh, 500 bucks for him. Is that? Mm. I'd get one of those Hans devices if I sold my kid. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's like an O. Henry story. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful, you'd still have the one kid. And yeah. yet you, you'd, live, you'd have your life. I'd sell the girl, though. You'd sell the girl? Yes. She's really, I mean, it's honestly, there's, there's, there's trouble here. I mean, I, tell, tell me what you guys think of this. In all, all seriousness. I, as I've said many times, come from a long line of women that hate their dads. Your sister, your mom. Well, they both How hate my dad, and then they yeah, hate they're all- my sister and my mom have triangulated their evil. <laughs> One they, man. they don't like my dad. My mom doesn't like <laughs> her, whatever, her biological dad, if she can find that alcoholic fuck. And then my grandmother hates her dad, hates her dad. I mean, her dad died, and her brother killed himself, and she was happy about it. She's fucking evil. Or she was. <laughs> She's in hell now. But the point is this. Everybody fucking hates their dad in my family. All, all, all women hate men in my family. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they've, they've earned it. They're, they're shitty dads. But I've said to my wife 2,000 times, the buck stops here. The she is not, my daughter is not going to hate me. And my son, sweet, lovey, kisses, hugs, whatever. The girl... She's, she's starting up. 
Like Stink she don't eyes. need daddy. I don't want to hug. Don't want to give daddy a kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, I give her a kiss. She wipes it off and throws it away, like <laughs> literally, like, like in a cartoon. Like wipes it. Like just a mime. She yeah, like yeah, Marcel Marceau. Uh, like just like literally, like why not give And she like pushes with her feet and like I lay down in bed. You know, let's watch some TV and call. No, go lay with Sunny. And I mean, and then when I go lay down <laughs> with Sunny, she doesn't get like jealous and call me back. Like she'd rather just be on her own. Like she started the hatred. And I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is at some point I'm going to go, fuck it. Like, listen, I ain't going upstairs <laughs> to see one of my kisses thrown away again. I have my dignity. I have my right. dignity and I'm saving my kisses for me. Okay. It's a song. <laughs> it's a country song. <laughs> I'm saving my kisses for me. So there's no one I'd rather kiss than thee. It's the old English has almost never worked in to country. country yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work that well. So, um, so I'm going to go like, you know what? I could go in a room and try to kiss her goodnight and get some abuse. Right. Or I could just, and then she's going to be telling her therapist, oh, well, you know what my dad would do? He would come in at night. He'd walk over to my brother, he'd kiss him goodnight, and then he'd leave the room. He never even would kiss me. And I know the therapist is going to be, she'll be nodding her head going, I don't know what's wrong with men. That's what's going to happen. So I don't know what to do. Well, I, listen, but wait a second. Here's the other side of that, is that I feel a lot of pressure with the boy because I'm responsible for him. And what, what, what kind of man he is is a reflection, a direct reflection on me. Right. Now the girl, like, you know, she's the old lady's problem. Yeah. You know, she doesn't. Gonna, she's trampy or whatever. That ain't my business. No, no, no. It is. It is. It she's is. going to hate you. She's going to try to work out some feelings and emotions underneath a guy or two in you know high school, and it's going to reflect poorly on you. And hey, everybody! <laughs> you see a girl on the pole, and you always think her dad fucked that up. Yeah. You blame the dad immediately. Yes. You know he either left and or he's cold. Or not, or not, only, not that up, but just F that. You know, not, like that's not, often the father, you know. Not only that, yes. they the will not, they're not, uh, women don't lie intentionally, but their feelings, what they feel like, feels like reality to them. Because I've heard my sister say a few things about my dad that were not true. They're but they absolutely feel real. Feel that way, yeah. yeah. Like you know, you talk to women, I'll go, "Oh, well, uh, what happened? Well, this guy came into my work and he called me fat and stupid, and he left. You know, it's like hey, you know, he didn't call you fat and stupid and left, but he said something, and it felt like that to you. You know, that's what it feels like. And I think women, and in a weird way, maybe it is the truth. Maybe that's what the guy was thinking. But he didn't say it to you, but they will take what they feel like and they'll tell people and they'll go, oh my God, your dad called you fat and stupid. I can't believe it. And I, and so that's the problem. That's the main problem. It's not going to be, my daughter's not going to say, well, my dad was very affectionate. He tried to kiss me and hug me and tried to spend time with me, but I, I shoot him off and then eventually went in the office and masturbated. She's not going to say that. She's going to say, he did this, he never did that, he never took interest, he tried to kiss Sonny, he didn't kiss me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're going on record, okay, publicly. So when she goes to therapy, your argument can be, you started it. I'm going to take... You were two. I'm going to get a lot of pictures. You know all those pictures that the abused 
women have where they look really depressed and then they take that picture yeah. of that black guy that you know they're never smiling or hey look who got a shiner it's always like <laughs> oh wow this is horrible and yours the way the picture the shading and the look on their face they don't even need a black eye for you to go wow this poor woman was abused and sometimes <laughs> it's even hard to tell if it's a shadow or she really have a black eye she just not put her makeup on but whatever it is that picture where you're intentionally trying to look as bad as you can possibly be that's the picture she's going to paint. And what I need is the opposite. I need lots of pictures of me trying to hug her and her pushing me and her throwing <laughs> away my kisses and me going, see, see. This but is who at, started it. Yeah. Well, as Teresa, though, she rightly points point. out, she, listen, at this point now, your little girl is going to listen back to this tape. And now she has evidence. I feel bad because it's sort of like those people who buy a lottery ticket. I buy the lottery ticket, and in the three hours between, I've already spent the millions of dollars, and then I'm devastated. Mm-hmm. You've already sold your daughter <laughs> off, but here's the thing. You're not going to actually get to sell her off, Ace. Now she's going to listen to this tape 10, 15 years from now, and now she's going to hate you. Self-fulfillment prophecy. Mm. Oh, see, you're, you're thinking that she's going to do that to you, but what if you came into it thinking the women in my family hate their dads somehow? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, th- listen, there are, there are certain trajectories families take, you know, and they, they do that stuff where they go, they'll test women for breast cancer, see if there's a history of breast cancer. And they have whole histories of this and that that they test for. You know, one is a sort of physiological, biological phenomenon, but the other is just an emotional one. And it's probably just as powerful. I mean, why shouldn't it be? It's your family. You know, whatever it is they did, you'll probably end up doing too. And, yes, why should this chain be broken with me? Well, we have a inter- long, rich history of all the women dad. hating I didn't dads. think, though, Teresa. I thought, uh, right, uh, as, uh, as a, uh, right, I always have been told that it's very hard to make your daughter hate you. In the movies, it's always the son and the old man who have the tough relationship. The, you know, uh, you know, the uh, field of dreams and all that. Yeah. Want to have a catch? Yeah. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful of them all. Oh God! Yeah, I can't exactly. believe I got that. Well, wow. you know it's always funny. Been around you too long. I always picture in those those football movies where the guy looks in the stand and sees that empty seat yeah. right on the fifty yard line where his dad would be. Wouldn't somebody have moved into that seat? If I know football fans, <laughs> especially at the high school level when it's that bench seating, happen. Yeah, people just slide into that. There's never that seat that's a. Adam's dad would be sitting there. You know? I feel like there'd be somebody sitting in that seat, and it'd be confusing to the moviegoer because there'd be a dude standing there. In your movie, it's just a trumpet. Yeah, just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. I love that with the guys. I like during the game when the guy gets under center. So blue forty-two. Then they see him look to the right and see that empty seat. <laughs> it's hard to pick out an empty seat in a stadium, especially when guys are going in motion and there's people on the sidelines. We've been practicing for five months, man. Get the head in the game here, all right? <laughs> well, maybe oh, Joe man, Montana could do it. You know, <laughs> somebody who hypervigilant sees everything. What was a, what, what if it was a fake out, too? Or, like, the guy just got up to go get a beer. Right, and now he's protected you. But you played the rest of the game like he was gone because he didn't look the <laughs> whole time. It's all a misunderstanding. He just had a little bladder problem. He had to go right. use the facilities. Well, I initially asked about selling your child because Selena's father accused of trying to sell his six-month-old baby is recovering after enduring a beating from fellow jail inmates. I guess they don't take too kindly uh, to guys who try to sell their kids in front of Walmart. This oh, really? guy's they beat him. Well, maybe it was just he wasn't asking enough. Well, that's... You that's- idiot! You could have got five grand! 
What the fuck? And by the way, when you lowball the infants, you drive down the price for everyone. That's the problem. I, this is beyond a lowball. Twenty-five bucks. Uh, see, that's a beating because a lot of those guys are going to get out, sell their kids, and now they got this thing. It's like my agent does it with people all the time. Hey, do this commercial. Well, he can't do it for that price because that'll become his price. You know, Adam that, Carolla doesn't get out of in bed for less than <laughs> baby doll. Baby I've doll actually, thinks. I've actually heard him on the phone saying that exact phrase. I am, uh, I'm officially done telling him anything because he's one of these guys. Where, you know, these people, I don't know if they're, if they don't listen or they actually just think you're an imbecile, but they'll do that thing where you, where, you, where I'm going, well, I, I, mean, I got some ideas for some animation and, uh, you know, I, I got a, I got a pretty good handle on some ideas and I'm going to start writing down and they'll stop and they'll go, but baby, it's got to be funny. You know, they do that kind of stuff like, oh, really? Huh, Hold I on. About oh, that. I'm going to pull over because I don't want to write while I'm driving. Right, what, me, what's that last word? It should be what? Fruity? should be. Funny? And, and then, like, other times. So you can do the thing where if you explain the joke part to him, like, he'll go, what's it about? What's it about? And you go, oh, uh, here's what it's about. If you just go, you know, it's a father and a son and a dad and a mom. He'll go, but baby, it's got to be funny. So if you skip that part and you go, well, here's a gag. Like, let me give you an example of one of the gags. He'll go, but baby. It's got to have a story. And you'd be like, oh, you mean I have to name everyone in it? Well, that sucks. <laughs> By the way, this is coming off of two scripts that got snapped up like that from major networks. Like, ah, oh, let, me, let me write this down. It's always weird. What is that thing? I mean, I know their heart is sort of in the right place. Uh, Donnie's mom will do this. And, and it's like, <clears throat> it's a weird, it's, it's sort of Jewish. It's sort of supportive. But it also implies that you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, I mean, I've had this happen at all levels in this business where you're like writing something and the, someone's explaining to you it's got to be funny. You know, like, really? Because you really you're think known that's, for... that's the one fucking thing I don't think you yeah. have. To, that's not because I'm hysterical. I'm just aware just... that it needs to be funny. DeLuca, the, the, our pal DeLuca told me that not one week ago. He said, uh, he said, hey, talk yeah, to the director, you. though. <laughs> well, right. That's good advice. But he told me that, uh, that he and the director, he said, you and the director, though, Dave, uh, you, know, try, you know, try to make it really good. Oh, let me just go and call the director now. I should get him in here. I don't want to lose what anything a, in the translation. You want it really good or just you're good? Sort of good, lookwarm. Above average? Yeah. I, I, you, you jackass. Really? That's your note for me as I go off to do this? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I sometimes get sent into into meetings and they and my agent will say, just, you know, be charming. Wait, be hold charming. on. Be charming. Be your charming self. You're going to take a uh, fecal matter and draw a swastika <laughs> on your forehead, right? That, so wait a second. Not doing that this don't, time around. Don't do that on this meeting. Yeah, or do it's got to be funny, and uh, characters they have to have names. It's got to <laughs> be a story. <laughs> I just love that advice. Get away from the usual Ingmar Bergman thing you usually yeah. do in your plots. Do it in English. Uh, it's weird when you just get done doing two of them and you get that advice from from everybody. It's so Make weird. It funny. I I know I know they don't mean any harm, but there's a lot of there's just a lot of that going on in this uh, society. I just uh, I just uh, speaking of that, I just said uh, I was walking through Fontana uh, in my fire suit. <laughs> I know it sounds hot. Val cliche. I got right out of the car. <laughs> 
And you're in the car and you're in a fire suit. It's like, you know, it's a Toyota racing on the back of it. It's a zipped up, it's a jumpsuit. It's a racing suit. And I was in it and I was walking to the bathroom with Sandy and a guy came up to me and he said, uh, Hey, Adam Carolla. Hey, how you doing? What are you doing out here? You racing? Are you racing this weekend? I said, uh, no, I just like to wear a fire suit so I can get laid. And we had a little laugh about it. And he said, what are you racing? And I said, uh, I got a Datsun 610. They make a 610? No, it was a prototype that my dad had made. Wildly rich man, traveled the Orient in the early 70s. Yes, they make a 610. I've just, I just told you that that's the car I race. Like you can go... Yes and yes. It's that thing. It's a, it's a sort of semi-retarded but close cousin to the when Lynette goes, did you feed Molly? Yes, I did. So you fed her? Don't you just feel like life is one big, you know, James Baby Doll Dixon reminding me to make my script funny. Lynette asking me two, three times if I fed the dog. Guy asking me what kind of car I race. When I tell him the talk car, he then asks if that car exists. What, don't you feel like there's a little bit too much of that? You know what it is? I'm telling you what it is. It's tampering with, disabling, or destroying a smoke detector in a commercial flight. Tampering. Done. Mm-hmm. Done. Once you get the tampering or even destroying or disabling, just done, just tampering. Done. No disabling. Think about all the, think about just the tune out factor now. Like just think about when the stewardess goes, I have a vision, you just go immediately just tune out. Why are we all just tuning out? Because everyone's like, Everyone's saying, be funny. Make it good. <laughs> wow. Woo. Doug DeLuca, you're the guru of comedy. <laughs> you're giving away this kind of advice? You should be selling this. Yeah, write a book. Yeah. I mean, it's a Ooh, very how to get concept. rich in Hollywood by uh, James Baby Doll Dixon and Doug DeLuca. Make it funny and make it good. Make it, it is good. It, I, I do love exactly what you're talking about, that thing of, uh, like, what are you doing now? I'm, uh, you know, writing on the Kimmel Show. Oh, is that still on? <laughs> no. no. I, well, I, I mean, I, I maybe it is. I think I think it is. You didn't say, I don't, you didn't, am I going? Are they playing a massive prank on me? All those people wandering around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this sucks. And they got me. You didn't say Cagney and Lacey, right? You right. Said Jimmy Kimmel. I know. If if Dixon and DeLuca got together to write a book, there'd be a big argument. We got to make this book good. We got to make it funny, baby. <laughs> it's got to be good. Funny first. Funny, good. They get a big fist fight over. <laughs> good and funny by Doug DeLuca and James Baby Doll Dixon. <laughs> All right. Patrick Fusek, the 38-year-old who tried to sell his kid along with the mother of the baby, 20-year-old Samantha Tomasini, pleaded not guilty to child endangerment and drug charges. He showed up in court with uh, bruised eye, stitches, a couple cracked ribs. He is now being held away from the Gen Pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gen Pop, I like that. You like that? <laughs> yeah, general population. From the world of bad parenting to the world of bad parenting... The Florida Department of Children and Families, and I imagine they've seen a lot of shit. Oh, my God. I mean, they're guys, they're, like, the guys in Florida who, you know, a lot of guys, like, put, a, like, cigars out on their kids. The guys who just put the 100 cigarettes out are up for Father of the Year. Oh, yeah. It's that bad. That's yeah. how bad it is. He'd only put 100. Those are the extra slim ones. He'd only put that out, and it was generally in places that, uh, were, well, you couldn't even see it if he was wearing a long sleeve oh, shirt. Oh, yes. Oh, what a sweet man. That's right. Uh, the shit they see is not neither good nor funny. Can I say this one more time about prison? How is it everyone knows what everyone's in for? I never know. Do you think maybe the COs, because I already use Gen Pop, correctional officers, do you think they leak it when they want somebody to get beaten up? Why? I I don't, like, 
if I, you know, I'm thinking about starting up a prison, so I don't want to talk too much okay. about it. I have some <laughs> investors interested. DeLuca and Dixon. Oh, the good, good and funny questions. Well, the proceeds from the good and funny things going it's going to stay at the top of the charts for five re- years. How should the rehabilitation be? It's going to be bigger than Jaws. It'd be DeLuca yelling, you better do good in here. And then Dixon, like, well, you got to be funny, baby. The, all right. I would just make the declaration that I don't want people in this prison knowing what everyone else is in for. Now, as guards, I, I can't stop them from talking. But if there's a guy who's a pedophile, he's probably going to play that pretty close to his paisley vest, so he's probably not going to say anything. So if we find out that these guys know that this guy's a pedophile, I'm going to figure out that one of you, and probably like someone on that guy's ward or block or whatever, was talking, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. So please, no squealing. Like, it was sort of a wartime D-Day kind of thing. Let's not talk about this. Why does everyone know everything? I think this was a pretty big news story, and uh, thus they might have seen his mugshot on the news. I guess right. they have TV in there. Right. So in Florida, the Florida mm-hmm. Department of Children and Families, mm-hmm. uh, they're not laughing at a picture of a baby holding a bong, which has been circulating on the Internet. I don't mm. know if you've seen it. The agency said the picture shows the baby from Keystone Heights holding a bong up to its mouth as if the infant is using it to smoke marijuana. Funny. It's good and funny. That's yeah, no way. <laughs> the kid's 11 months old, and the agency has la- launched an investigation saying, we are alarmed that any parent would take pictures of their child next to what is obviously drug paraphernalia. The mother, 19 years old, has posted this message on her Facebook page. A little long in the tooth for Florida, isn't she? <laughs> the grandmother in Florida. Well, must be must be her youngest. She's right. probably a couple of kids in high school. <laughs> She's explained all this on Facebook saying, if you look at the picture, you can see there is no bowl in the tobacco pipe. And I took a pic to show one expletive person, and it was a mistake. I, I would never, ever let him get high. Uh-huh. Uh, they're alarmed by There's it. There's the photo. I, you're listen, saying. I agree it's, it's not the, the best idea in the world, but does anyone imagine that an 11-year-old is burning tree? Is that really happening? 11-month-old. 11 months yeah, old. Yeah, that's the picture right yeah. there. And he, he is putting his mouth, oh, I don't know what you call it, Dawson, what do you call the, I don't know, mouthpiece? or It's called the Dawson. But then it's Dawson. He has his own part named after him? Yeah, it's like the jacuzzi was named after a guy named Jacuzzi. (laughs) Is that true? Yeah, that part of the bong is actually named after Dawson. (laughs) Well, he's got his mouth on the Dawson, so it it does kind of look. That's that's about a two and a half foot Dawson. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good looking pipe. And look, whatever that kid is going to endure is going to be much worse than that. I oh, mean, yeah. whatever. Just picture the carpet in the mobile home. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm looking at the brown. I hope that's brown carpet right oh, now. This oh, is a lot geez. of. They got a couple of dogs. But, uh, yeah, 19-year-olds shouldn't be having kids. Imagine where your head was at at 19. I mean, you know, you think about it all the time. Like, you kind of do that thing where you go, it's other people and other people's kids. And it's a kind of like, ah, eh, the 19-year-old had a kid and babies having babies. But even sometimes it's like 21, 22. I had my kid when I was 19 or 20. But think about where your head was at at that age. Think about what was going through it. Think about what you, what you thought. And now realize that you're way ahead of the 19-year-olds we were talking about. I mean, you guys are college-educated. You're intelligent. You come from good, semi-intact families. I mean, you're you're uh, you know, while while you don't come from privilege, you come from stability. In Brian and Dave's case, at least. But I mean, you guys, arguably, I just 
say you guys, were well ahead of your average Floridian 19-year-old girl with the bong and her crappy brown carpet, and you guys would have been a mess at 19. So imagine where these people are at at 19. I mean, really, it it seems like if you're going to start a society and your society is going to be filled with laws, such as uh, California Highway Patrol guys just standing off by the curb, writing everyone tickets for doing nothing. As long as you live in a society with a billion laws, shouldn't we just, should this be yeah, kind of the first one? Yes, the institute one at the an top? age. Lock them age. up in the funny and good prison. Yeah. <laughs> you can institute an age minimum for having kids, like 25. Yeah. Right? That's still young. Well, yeah, but now you're playing God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't give a shit. By the way, what's so bad about playing God? God's pretty good at playing God. No. And what if you were in Jesus Christ Superstar? You'd have to play Jesus? Yeah. Well, there you go. And if he's everywhere, he's been in many productions. <laughs> See? And I God rest spell. my point. Yeah, <laughs> Godspell. That's well, right. Here's a story I could never do if Brian had the ability to record things we were saying and use mm-hmm. it as drops. Mm-hmm. Because uh, some, some of the script, or actually all of the script, of Inferno, a Linda Lovelace story. T, make this good. Make and funny, story good. good or make funny. It funny. I can only do one. Good. I can make rarely do either of those. You know good. this. You should be good. You're it lucky if you get mediocre. But it's got to be good. And desperate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this story, this script has been leaked to many places, including Jezebel.com. You've heard that Lin- Lindsay Lohan is going to play Linda Lovelace. Mm. Well, apparently this script is incredibly, shockingly violent. There's child abuse, beatings, intense humiliation, mm. bloody car crash, and that's just in the first 32 wow. pages. Good whacking. There's a a few really terrifying scenes between Linda and her husband-slash-manager, Chuck Trainer, who humiliates her during a sexual encounter, making her say, I'm stupid and I'm a fat ass, as he fingers her. Oh, my God, this gets so disturbing, I can't even... Yeah. Well, let me uh, say this. I've said it once, say it again, about that movie. First off, when you hear the amount that these people got paid, you know, no residuals, nothing like that. It's not like, well, everyone just sat back... Harry Ream sat back and retired off of his uh, deep throat money. He is Geraldo Rivera, by the way. When you see a 37-year-old Harry Reams next to a 37-year-old Geraldo Rivera, you're looking at a fucking doppelganger. Um, I think he sells real estate, by the way. I don't know if he goes by Harry Reams, the realtor. Great porn name. Rough, rough realtor name. But um, these people got paid... And then they never got paid again. And the people I feel sorry for is sort of the ancillary people that are in it. Because Linda Lovelace became Linda Lovelace. And for good or for bad, she was deep throat. That's the decision she made. How about somewhere who would have been credited somewhere around 8th or ninth? you know, girl three from the orgy scene? Or whatever, whatever you are in that movie. Whatever little side, ancillary, whatever. That person just got the 150 bucks, took a couple days off college, and wanted to go on with their life. Now they can't. I mean, there's been a billion porn movies made, and I'm sure there's plenty of women walking around that are 55 years old that were in some of them. We just don't know it. If you're in Deep Throat or The Devil, Miss Jones, or Behind the Green Door, you literally got dragged into this thing, and and for your 150 bucks, you had 200 million eyeballs on you over the last 35 years. I mean, that movie was massive. They were showing it in, like, Times Square. Yeah, and there were a lot of celebrities going to see it. It was the thing to do. It was hip. Yeah, it was hip. Mm-hmm. I've talked about that before. I think with you, as a matter of fact, Ace. Is, uh, isn't it weird to think... Uh, did you ever in your day 
go to a movie theater to watch porno because I know obviously famously or infamously with your pals the Wees and uh, and Bum and the rest and Ray, you guys all lived in one dirty crib in uh, in the valley somewhere mm-hmm. and used to masturbate in your respective corners watching porno. Now yeah. that's perverse, one, one but piece imagine. Here. Imagine doing it in a movie theater like Pee Wee Herman. And that was the scandal of scandals. Imagine how, I mean, that's so quaint now to think back about Pee Wee Herman, like, yeah. slapping his meat. Like, well, so what? You know, <laughs> nobody cares at this point. But, I mean, <laughs> at the time, the, what, uh, movie theaters with, with strangers in there just slapping your meat? I think Pee Wee's What? Pee Wee's was a cry for help. <laughs> he knew he was going to be busted. You think? But I, the larger I, issue is what, what gives. Would I, you do such a thing? I'll, I'll tell you. Can I be honest with you? I'd like that. It would, <laughs> would be, like be funny. It would be good. That's the preemptive good funny. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I want to be honest with you. No, be oh, honest please. with me. All right? <laughs> For a change, you, well, I nice. need to be funny. All right. Um, I think that when guy, I think there's what people want and what people get. And I'm a sort of fan of you get what you need. Like, Pee Wee Herman was tired of putting the bow tie on. Paul Rubens was tired of being that guy. And you can't walk away from a million dollar or multi-million dollar cottage industry, which was Pee Wee Herman. You know, plenty of plenty of more movies to come out with and books and endorsements for uh, chocolate milk and whatnot. And I bet you he couldn't get out of that. And I bet you at some level he went, I want out. Because it's a, it's a way of engaging in a behavior. It's like when your wife finds uh, an email that your mistress sent you and you left it out. You know, it's like, oh, you found it? No, I wanted you to find it. I went out of this marriage. Now, you, you, do you feel bad she found it? Yes. Do you, you want to get divorced? Maybe, maybe not. But I would argue there's a part of your brain that says, I want out. If you're Pee Wee Herman, if you're Paul Rubens, you don't go to a Florida. And by the way, this was... Well after the VCR was around, I mean, hell, DVDs. I don't you know. This is you know early '90s, whatever, whatever mid '90s. I mean, it's not like he didn't have a VCR player at his house. He, mm-hmm. he certainly could afford it. He went into a public place in Dade County and started slapping his meat. And speaking of the cops that were sitting around here uh, in Glendale busting uh, citizens. Uh, the cops that were staking out that so place. True, yeah. What do you find? A bunch of forty-year-old guys slapping their meat. They're really? not going to go and murder somebody. They are releasing yes. their pressure. They're not hurting right. anybody. Just their well, I'll tell you, they're hurting the janitor. Yeah, that's yeah, the, the real victim. That here. is, yeah, that is an unintended that's, consequence of mm. what they're doing. Is the janitor at the janitor convention? Ugh. There's a certain table for those guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're next to the guys who work the hospital shift, but even lower. Like, I mean, there's a lot of head shaking. Because one thing, if you're just going up to the 33rd floor of the Trump Tower and vacuuming and emptying some waste paper bag, baskets or something, the guys working the Jack Shack, that yeah. is a rough gig. And I mean, they've, I've been in those places where they have like stalls and paper towels hanging up there. I mean, it's like a guy wearing waders with a hose, like it's a monkey cage. Well, it's, it's horrible. A, I, I see the, yes, the, and I have the, been. I was just going to say the five minute story about Pee Wee Herman was distracting us from the answer, and I guess we now have it, Adam. Has I, I have been. Here's where I've to been. Completion? <clears throat> to completion? A couple things. My friend Zeb used to work at the Pussycat Theater when <laughs> I was like 17 or 18. This was the greatest right, coup yeah. ever. I mean, um, this. Uh, 
Uh, my buddy Chris getting a job at Snacks Fifth Avenue with the oversized <laughs> chocolate chip cookies at the mall. That was coup number one. I would literally ride my bike like 18 miles round trip to get a free chocolate chip. Oh, Chris is working. The, he's, hey, and the big news would be if he was off from behind the counter and working the cart that was pushed out into the mall, no supervision. I go over there, lemonade and chocolate chip cookies as far as the eye could see. So desperate. And yeah, my buddy Zeb got a job tearing tickets at the uh, Pussycat in North Hollywood. And it probably was like 2 $3 or something. So I'm going for free. Uh, and so, yeah, no, no beating off at that place, though. It was like a theater theater. Then the what end? <clears throat> you sit there and drink up as much pornography as you, like, you know, you soak it up like a sponge it's sort of like the PSATs, you know what I mean? It's like to, it's to prep you to beat off. It's not, that's not the test. That's not going to get you into the hamper or into college, but it's to prep you so you know what to expect when, you, when the actual test comes some hours later when you get home. A belly full of chocolate chip cookies, yeah. a wang filled yeah. with unreleased <laughs> Now, what about one of these manhood. booths where you put yeah. the quarters in? Have you guys been in those? Done that. Done that. Never. Yeah. I, it, I, I believe... There's a science to it, too, because you feed the change into the thing, and then you start the jack session. Right. And at some point, the thing runs out. It's always about 10, eh, it's about 10 beats too early, pardon the pun. In which case, <laughs> you have to pull your pants back up, fish more change out of your pocket. You enter, your sort of, you, your tumescence is gone. Right, at this now point. you're behind. You feed more money back into the thing. You start, that process is undergone about five times. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really a thing where it's like, hey, you think it's a buck 25 worth of quarters? No, nah, it's 550 because you have to keep repeating the process. Yeah, eventually, <clears throat> this one place, well, was it here well, there was in, one, in Southern California? Th- there was one place that's still don't there. Don't know, Dave. There's one place that's still there <laughs> on Lancashire Boulevard. It, this, scene, this wasn't my scene, by the way, just so you know. I like the Star Garden, which was a strip joint across the, across the street from this place. But this place had like the Madonna-type peekaboo show thing. And we'd all pile in there, and then at some point, Ray would start banging on the glass and, like, yell at another guy. And, like, like or even bang and, like, yell at him, come here. Like, it was, it was really, got, it got a little out of control. God damn yeah, really. A lot of people. Boo-boo, yeah, banging yeah, screaming. A lot of paper towels floating around and guys, uh, like, with hoses. Yeah. Well, Sorry, T. Also Weird. from this Linda Lovelace script that's oh, been yeah. leaked, mm-hmm. here are some of the disturbing things that happen. Um, find John Holmes, and, I mean, uh, find Harry Reams and uh, Geraldo Rivera, please. Chuck, her husband and manager, <laughs> coerces Linda into turning tricks. Her first encounter is in a seedy motel with five middle-aged businessmen. Mm. One fondles her breast while singing a tune from Mary Poppins. Later not, in the script, not one of them was young. They're always middle-aged. middle-aged. <laughs> they're not young old and they're not young. Never go to prostitutes. <laughs> yeah, it's something about that middle age. Later in the script, she gets a strange boob job, cooks naked, and gets a violent spanking from Chuck. She sobs while making the legendary film Deep Throat, has a foursome with Sammy Davis Jr. at Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion, where there's a crowd that urges her to have sex with a German shepherd. Linda and the dog Fritz do not actually engage in intercourse. Linda gets on all fours and waves her butt in the air, and the pooch gets freaked out. Now, here are some of the lines from the movie and, and reasons why I could not do this story if Brian could 
record this and play it back to me. Um, wow. <laughs> We're now looking at Geraldo and Harry Reigns. They are very similar. They are very similar. Again, this, people think that this is actually a good script, maybe a great script, and that it could reinvigorate Lindsay Lohan's Is she going to get naked? Well, here are some of the lines. I was put on this earth for one thing and one thing only, sucking a foot-long cock. To me, there's nothing more delicious than jism. I love it. I like to smear it all over my face like Pond's cold cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also says, I once took on a pro football team, and I don't just mean two at a time. I mean more. Is there anything in this life I like more than cocksucking? Okay, well, one thing, on occasion. And I love it when my man Chuck socks it to me in the ass. So <laughs> Here come the judge. A lot of 70s talk there. Sock it to me. Sock it to my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is really. They did capture the period. Uh, yeah. if you I can't will. believe she took the whole thing. Yeah, the ponds, cold cream, and the yeah. sock. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so will she be able Keep to play fucking. a confused, controlled, emotionally, and physically abused woman? Well, this could be the kind of thing. That, I mean, there could be some Oscar buzz here. Because Halle Berry got naked in Monsters Ball. Like, yeah. whenever. The it's very courageous when the actress uh, gets nude. Only she's not wearing makeup or too much makeup. Back off on the makeup and show the boobies. All of a sudden you're courageous, and then when you play a victim, and if you can do that thing where you cry and get naked, you're you're good. Oh yeah, you're, that's <laughs> at least a Golden Globe. Oh absolutely. So she's gonna be she's gonna be a horrible victim. She's going to be crying, and she's going to be naked, drugs. hopefully. And drugs, That's too. another thing. Linda Lovelace died in a car crash? Well, she died of injuries sustained in a car accident, which was her second serious car accident. I'm going to go ahead and call me correct on that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think, uh, yes, she, absolutely. She didn't die in the car crash, but, but um, I think she also had hepatitis. But she died then, or like she didn't die a month later, did she? I don't know how long after it was, but yes, it's fair to say that the car crash is what killed her. Mm. Sock it to my asshole, would you, fella? <laughs> Sock it to my She died in 2003, 2002 at age 53. The first car accident, I guess she had a blood transfusion and uh, had, got hep B and had to have a liver transplant. Very, very hard life. Ooh. Shut up and F my a-hole. Is that yeah. also from the script? Have you mm-hmm. seen the script, too? Mm-hmm. I am not going to confirm that I've read for... <laughs> So, oh Lindsay, you, you can pull off a young Harry Reams. Oh, well, oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bee's so, knees. Grow that baby. mustache. <laughs> Them tits on you is the cat's pajamas, sister. Uh, the porn director, Chester Sheldrake. Massive trauma and international, uh, international and internal injuries in a car accident. Uh, she a was couple uh, weeks taken later. off life support yeah. and died in Denver. Yeah, yeah very sad. But meanwhile, if you ask me uh, what number President uh, Barack Obama is, I'd be like, I don't know, 2,000? 5,000? I don't know how many we've had. Somewhere in the thousands, I know. 8,000? Somewhere in that. I like when people go the wrong direction, too. Like, someone starts laughing when I say 2,000. Oh, oh, okay, what, 200,000? Like, when they go the, it's always funny when people fuck up and go the wrong direction. By the way, once you fuck up, you should just stop. You know what I mean? Because obviously you're probably not good at this game. That's what we're learning. Some people go too far with the line of right. crashing. Some people don't know when to back right. off. And you... <laughs> well, it might not have been good or funny, but that was the first part of the news. All right. Thank you. More of Teresa's news coming up. If you don't listen, you're an anti-Semite. Thanks for socking it to me with that news, <laughs> Teresa Strasser. Uh, all right. I think uh, we're going to do what I should mention uh, with uh, Mr. Damashek. Uh He is uh, on... Uh, 
Daves of Thunder, which you can hear right here on the Ace Broadcasting Network, him and uh, Dave Feeney. And, uh, Ace, I want, a, I want an honest answer from you. How many no. episodes have you listened to? I've never listened to one. <laughs> I, no, I, I already I, knew the answer. I already knew no, that I've that heard, the answer. No, I've heard a lot of good stuff happening when I'm in the shop working on something back it's there. It's very funny and has nothing to do with me. David, funny, uh, David Feeney is, uh, is a very funny fella. Well, if he's funnier than you, he's funny because you're funny. <laughs> I can Stop hear you. Me. and I'm really, I'm in the shop and I can hear. No, but he's a very, very funny writer, a lot of funny scripted bits. And as a matter of fact, uh, one Teresa Strasser phoned in on my uh, birthday episode, which was very nice. Well, my thing is I don't support other people's podcasts, even if they're on my network. Like, that's, <laughs> that's how weird. serious I am. <laughs> yeah. I would be like, if I was a, if I was a forward in the NBA, I would be guarding guys on my own team. That's how focused I am on the game. Some people think that's a bad teammate. I say it makes me even more of a, of a competitor. I was thinking you know of something in the car, apropos of nothing, but you did sure. mention, I was thinking about this in the car, and then you mentioned going to, to hell. I was thinking about it. Do you think, and the question for everybody in the room, do you think that you, I know you don't believe in heaven or hell, Adam, and neither do no. I, but do you think you would go to heaven or hell? Oh, yeah. You would go to hell? Uh, no, we'd go to heaven. We'd all go to heaven. Really? Well, yeah, because if not by Not by the Bible. No, I know, but let, let's, uh, let's try to break this down for a second. Um, uh, we're all good. We're all funny. So we know that. <laughs> now, That's the first thing God asks at the you, pearly gates. One, one could not. Here's the way I look at heaven and hell. Uh, same way I look at uh, turning on the cell phone or the iPod on, uh, in flight. Definitely if, not funny. If it was really that dangerous, they wouldn't let you have it. You know, they go, absolutely no uh, portable electronics, all need to be shut off, whatever. But half the time you go, fuck it, I got my earbuds in. I'm just going to listen to the rest of what's on my iPod. And you realize, if it was going to take down the plane, there's no way they just rely on the word of everyone <laughs> yeah, to do that's this. A, that's a great point. So there's no, believe me, everything would be confiscated. Any, I mean, just like, uh, you know, just like anything that could be possibly used as a weapon or anything else. So if it We made, wouldn't be taking our shoes off at the, the security check. They would just be checking uh, people for their phones, right? If it made a difference you would not have it on your person and they would not rely on you now if there was a heaven and hell and you went to hell for masturbating or you went to hell for using the lord's name in vain or you went to hell for lying there would be an overpopulation in hell and nobody we know would not be in hell so that couldn't if there was an actual heaven and hell there isn't but if there was there's no way it could be laid out like it is it would be laid out on good person, bad person. It'd be laid out on, did you do any harm to others during whatever tenure you had on this planet? Did you bring a little good or did you take some? That's true. And, well, I and, guess defending your life, one of your favorite pictures yeah, of all time. Yeah, that's how it would I, be. I think that's how it would be. And it wouldn't be you'd have to kill someone. You could just be a well, you know shitty lawyer or publicist or one of these uh, vermin. Or selling just, your daughter. Selling your daughter for $25. <laughs> you have to get more than that. Because she wouldn't let you kiss you when she was three. Yeah. The point is, is what kind of person were you? Not yeah, did know. you beat off in Dade County. Mm-hmm. Right. You look at the net good or bad. Yeah. The totality. Even yeah. If you did a few, even if you did a few bad things, did you do more good? Yeah, and then there's sort of ultimately what kind of footprint did you have in terms of good versus Isn't it negative? creepy, though, that people, that I mean, these people who are devout Catholics, and I assume in most religions, 
that they really I mean, that's a that should that really should have more of an effect on the way they deal with us because they assume they think any Catholic thinks you're Teresa going to spend eternity in hell. How can they deal with you then? Why, well, because I pass as Catholic with my name. You know what I'm saying? But they all they all, they all think I'm, I'm going to hell. What do they want to yeah with are, me for? You are passing. Well, especially when you throw your hands around that and like, oh, what, what with me, boy? <laughs> Listen, they don't believe it. They don't. And this is one of my, my, my newest theories. That's uh, about 10 years old. I don't believe they believe it. I really don't. I really don't believe even devoutly religious people believe. I know that nearly, the priests don't. I think much. largely they don't buy it. I think that anyone you see on TV talking it, about it right. don't don't believe it. Uh, and then the people that sort of have that, you know, I have a guardian angel or I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't really believe it. None of those people. First off, if we're in the aforementioned airplane and it hits some turbulence and we're heading toward the mountain, they're all shitting as big a brick as we are. And I, I just. I, I, I know that feeling that, you know that feeling when you know you're in a dream and something sort of bad is happening and it's frightening, but there's a part of you that knows this isn't really it. Like, like I'm going to be, I kind of know I'm dreaming. I know I'm not really, I'm still, I'm feeling, I'm, I have some fear in me because I just jumped off this building or got pushed off this bridge, but there's a little part of me that knows that somehow I'm going to land on the ground and kind of be okay. They would have that about almost everything in life. First thing they'd be is a lot more fucking laid back than they are. It'd be a lot of, I'm going to heaven, so listen, you keep your talking. Or, you know, after you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to fucking, streets are going to be paved with gold. I'm going to be the hem of my maker. This is going to be reunited my dog from junior high. This is going to be awesome. So they wouldn't be nearly as uptight about it. The next thing they wouldn't be doing is they wouldn't be bugging you. Because who the fuck wants overcrowding in heaven? You're looking oh, for yeah. a parking place? Yeah, why are they trying heaven? to correct You have to get shit. a handicap placard just to fucking park at the Costco right. in heaven? Right. Because you know a guy at the DMV in heaven? <laughs> Although I don't think there'd be any DMVs in no, heaven. No, clearly not. But the point is this. Why am I recruiting? Like, let's just say I know very well. I know very well that there's a place for me in heaven and I believe it. And now I got you three guys, and you guys don't believe it. Yeah, but Good. I get a hundred bucks off of my direct TV if I uh, if recruit I you know, a couple oh, other right. people. So no, when they get angry and when they get pushy, and and eventually with certain cultures, when they start killing you, it's because you have made them question their belief. You really want to get someone pissed off? Make them say something that they know is true, but don't want you to know they know is true. You know, get him with something. Call a thin guy fat all you want, and he just laughs it right off. But have an argument with a guy and really hit that button, that soft, sweet spot in his underbelly. Really, really let him know that you know you'll, that guy will get violent. And religious people, when you start arguing with them a little bit, they should just walk away laughing. Because they're certain. They're certain, but they're not certain. That's why they never stop fucking with you and trying to convert you because they're trying to get they're they're trying to get their belief system based on how many of you they can and when you bring some kernel of doubt into their mind by going look what's the proof and there's carbon dating and the planet's a billion years old and what are you talking about and when's the second coming and every generation before you has waited and it never came and they're all on the ground at a certain point these guys are going to get angry because each logical 
uh, argument you make erodes their belief a little bit. And I don't believe that they really believe it. I believe they would like to believe it. I don't really believe they believe it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go even further. I'm taking this to the Muslims and the rest of the world too. I don't think they'd be blowing us up. I think they, if we're really infidels, they're just gonna rot in hell, and we're gonna feel the swift sword of Allah's justice upon our neck and all that. Good. Then he'll take care of it. But he never gets around to it. What the fuck? Where is Allah? The swift sword of justice. Stuff. They get around to it. But do you ever feel a little bit jealous of people who do believe yes. in God? Uh, always, I do. but I don't believe them. I'm so jealous. Even there are times when, even though if you gave me the um, no lie MRI, I, I would fail. I, I make little deals with God and I talk to God, even though I really kind of know that, well, I yeah. like to think there's some sort of force, if you will, to put it in Star Wars terminology. Mm, thank you. I, de- I deeply <laughs> doubt it, but I still talk to that force anyway. But I'm truly jealous of people who have f- complete faith. Yeah, I am too. But if something happens to them or someone they love, they weep as loud as we do and they seem to carry it around. And uh, I mean, I wonder, again, I just wonder how much faith they actually have and I wonder how much they actually believe 200 it, years ago, it was perfectly plausible that you would accept it. Now, you right. really have to be a dimwit to completely to be able to delude yourself. And yet there are some very smart people who very uh, believe in God. It's the same as the scientists who don't believe in global warming. Because there's, no, there, no, one, there, that dispro- is, because there's one that uh, that disproves the rule. There, there's I forget whether that scientists and religionists who I forget what. what no, there is. It. I I I tend to disagree because I think there are historically for sure, and even in modern times, there are plenty of educated, great thinkers that are religion are religious. I mean, I don't understand it, and I disagree with it, and I don't know how you can head up this department at uh, Brown University in the sciences and be a you know, devout Christian. But there, there's an alarming amount of these guys, which I find bizarre. Me too. I, in, in counterintuitive. You can, maybe you can believe in the tenets of a religion, you know, do unto others and all that stuff, without actually believing in Jesus being like, yeah. the son of but God. But these guys do. Uh, but all that stuff is basically no shit. And it's all just a sort of... You know, basic sky mall to keep people in line. You know, it's, it's just basically read this. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or his ox. <laughs> well, my neighbor's ox died. <laughs> don't, like. don't eat pork. Circumcise yourself. Yeah, like there's certain kids. things that have to do with cleanliness. Right. Certain things have to do with like, you know, spare some rods and don't beat the shit Let out the of your Let the field go and, fallow every seven years. Yeah, like there's stuff that kind of makes like, all right, you shouldn't murder, and if someone does murder, then we should uh, take care of them. And it's like a lot of, like, yeah, just sort of, uh, basically I would call it, you know, no shit. Cliff's notes to, to morality. Yeah, if, you, right. if you spend enough time in your brain, you will achieve the same moral standards that are laid out in all the religions. Uh, that's the only, uh, or yeah. one of the only beefs I have with the religious people is when they do the what's to stop people with whatever. And you go, because murder is wrong. According to who now? <laughs> we have no book written by a bunch of fucking freaks from 2,000 years ago. So how do you know it's wrong? You, you know, that I, I, would, I would argue same reason you don't fucking eat your kids like you just intuitively nature builds that into you that you don't do you know you don't see somebody crossing the street in front of your car and punch the accelerator it's wrong you don't have to be religious to know that it's it's wrong 
It's just wrong. And I, the idea that we don't have that kind of free will, that we need to, you know, crack the good book and check the Old Testament to figure out, well, should I hit this pedestrian or not? Let me check my, should I check the Old Testament and see if I should do it? That's nonsense. And it's actually sort of insulting as a species. It's like, great, we, but we, it's great. It's great to provide those things for children because you don't want to tell, you know, you know, grandpappy is, uh, you know. He's in the ground. It's grim. Right. Right. It's nice for children. But yeah. yeah. And by it's the way, there's is. also a backup uh, thing called uh, our nation's laws. That right. also for that for that you know that that three percent that is going to step out of line. Maybe the the fact that they might wind up in the clink, uh, being spat upon. Adam's like, jail. Good right. and funny. Well, Good and funny. When I well, you know it's it's coming for me, and that's where I right. have to go. Good yeah. Funny, yeah. <laughs> Warden Baby Doll's not going to be pleased that you are not good uh, or funny. Warden Baby Doll. I'm sorry to distract with uh, bringing that. I just was thinking about that. That what? Well, because I imagine everybody probably, whether they're religious or not, thinks like, well, yeah. I mean, I think I would go to heaven. You know, I, I, nobody wants to. Nobody I, wants I would, to think that they're going. Uh, I would venture to say that everyone we know. And communicate with, and as part of our, our our lives, is would go to heaven if there was such a thing as heaven, because there's no way you there's there's no way that there'd be laid out that you could go to hell not, and you know hanging out with uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson and and uh, not Ray Larry Hitler whatever his first <laughs> name is and be sitting there with those scoundrels and be there because you beat your meat a couple of times in Dade County like that that by the way. You think I complain a lot, you know, as 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 a man of flesh and blood. Wait till I go to hell oh and have gosh. to bunk up with Manson. <laughs> oh, but be nonstop. I blow through a couple of red turn arrows and beat off a couple. Times. Use the Lord's name in vain a handful of times. I'm at the fucking mass murder. This is where I am for this. Who's laid out this plan? Then the supervisor the- comes in and, and informs you, Adam, it wasn't that you ran those red lights. It's that you wouldn't stop talking about them for eight <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, you drove a lot of people to suicide. Even better if you end up in heaven on a puffy cloud, surrounded uh, by beautiful women and angels singing, and then you still find things to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> Is it cold in here? I'm cold. Uh, this tunic is very dry. Now that's a good one. What can Adam complain about the heaven in heaven? Is, I yeah. love that. Is this muslin? What kind of cloth is this? <laughs> is a tag still I on the tunic? I found it confining. How do you know where the front and the back of the tunic is? I don't know if I'm wearing it right, right ways. It feels like I'm wearing it backwards. <laughs> Who wants 99 virgins anyway? Yeah. They don't have any experience. Yeah. I got to teach these girls everything? Now, let me say this about these sandals. What's with the extra three feet of strap? I got to wrap them all the way up my shin. What's up? Not playing hoops in these things, just walking on clouds. What I about could, God? Could go barefoot. <laughs> Can you complain about God? I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't met the man, but I'm sure I would find <laughs> some beat. He'd probably want to, God would be one of these guys who does the bad handshake. <laughs> he does. Turns he it sideways and goes a little right or left or grabs a little tight. You know what God would do? He'd do that power move where he does he shake it, grab the, grab the end. <laughs> Squeeze the end yeah. too hard. There's the guys who grab the, just the last, just the tips yeah. of your fingers right. and then mash them all together just to let you know who's fucking Or it boss. gives you an uncomfortable bear hug for too long. Yeah, could do that. Hug it out. And it, or you'd probably have the uncomfortable thing with God because you'd do that thing where you'd go, hey, God, how you doing? It'd be like that guy who you, you were pretty close with in high school, but I've seen for a while, and then you run into him at a mall, and you're like, hey, and you start to do the shake, and he starts to do the hug, and then you feel, then he switches to the shake, and you go to the hug, and you're, you don't want to feel uptight in front of God, but you're a son. You know what right. I mean? Right, You'd hug all, it out. Or then what? Like weird fist bump, like Howie Mandel? I wonder if you're allowed <laughs> to, like, are you allowed to watch R rated movies there? 
You know? Unclear if they have cable or satellite. What do you, what do you eat? I imagine they have satellite. Cable oh, yeah. seems like a disaster. Oh, you're right. Oh, and there's got to be one of those buffets because hell is you're at the buffet, but your hands are tied, right? So heaven must be the buffet and you can just eat everything. Oh, really? Hey, you I haven't heard about this buffet deal. The giant yeah. king crab legs. <laughs> the hell is this giant buffet, but you're you just have to look at it. Why well, so you? Where did that come from? There's I didn't a buffet? know the buffet. You guys haven't heard that? I, I feel know. like a buffet is lofty for 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 hell. For hell, but the thing is, it's you can't eat it. You just have to look at it. Oh, that's why it's hellish. And plus, uh, it's probably like a lot of deli meats and ambrosia salad and stuff that wouldn't do well in the heat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know I mean? right. Nothing worse than seeing that, that sushi sweating, the sushi sweating. You yeah, know what I mean? now say what you will about people who believe in God. A lot of studies have shown that religious people are much happier, not necessarily because they believe in God, but most likely because they have a strong community. So let's just say some, I agree with someone that does problem. die. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. Ten people come over with a casserole, you're going to feel better than if you were alone. It is frustrating, though, or counterintuitive, and they go, you know, people that are married and people that are religious and people that have kids are happier. I'm like, really? Because I feel like I'd be swinging like a pendulum <laughs> right now. Like, first off, ask me what I'm going to do tonight. Who knows? I'll sh- I'll get home when I get home, maybe with a maybe with a couple ladies. Who knows? Linda Lovelace urn, a couple of gals, bottle of champagne. We're going all night. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah. But they always do that thing. Right? So there's that stuff that's like really what they're saying is bored people are happier because they're not constantly sort of chasing a dream or something. They sort of say like, look. You get married, you have some kids, you go to church, you're bored as shit, but you live an extra 10 years, and ultimately you're happier than the guy, than David Spade is. Well, this is a good way to celebrate Brian's one-year wedding anniversary today. Oh, yeah. oh is that right? Today. As we speak. <laughs> it was an awesome ceremony. Wait a second. Oh. <laughs> Adam was, Adam was, was the Where first. Where was it? It was the first person I saw after I was married. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you were on Walking your way out. The ceremony. Where was uh, where was the, the where uh, was it? In Yonville, Napa Valley. Yeah. Napa yeah. Valley. Yeah, it was the recessional. Literally, you you adjust. Yeah, we were on our way out of the ceremony. We flew People out to Napa Valley. In the background. <laughs> well, you guys were so goddamn prompt. I, I, there's got to be some. It was a wedding. It was, it, was, hot. it was hot. It was really hot. But there's got to be some sort of wedding etiquette thing, which is sometimes six thirty means. 6.30 like a baseball game. Like, you know, hey, start the afternoon game at 3.12 p.m. It's like first pitch, 3.12. Like, that's, that's when it begins. And then I've been to weddings that say they start at 6.30. It's like, it's 7.10. Nothing's happened yet. So I always kind of split the difference. But you guys... You guys were on top of it. Is, hap- is that what happened at my wedding when you showed up uh, an hour and a half after <laughs> the ceremony? Wait a second. This is not your first offense. This is, you missed the first offense. Wedding. This is his thing. This is his bit. This is what? one of his great. Oh my one of Adam God. Carolla's great rationalizations wow. in life is is that ah, no one really wants me at their reception. Oh. I mean, at, their, at, at the ceremony. I want to go to the party. I don't want to see the actual. Joke. You don't want me there, right? You, Jack? you don't want me at your thing, like uh, all right, with yeah, the vows like and everything's that. embarrassing. You don't want to see that. I don't. It's very Do moving. You? I cried. Ours was, ours was quick, though. It was like maybe 10 minutes. minutes. Tell me yeah. about it. Most. Yeah. <laughs> we were walking to it. It was outdoors. We were walking to it as they were literally walking through everyone at us, and we ran into them and said, like, when's the marriage just happened? Wait a minute, Check. Where was your marriage? Where was I that? I don't remember. Listen, here's what I want to talk about. <laughs> you don't. Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, oh, yeah, it's a little late. Yeah. Um, but listen, here. I want, speaking of, uh, yeah. of, of bad behavior, this had nothing to do with you, but you were in Chicago last weekend. I was in Chicago. I tell Louise 
hey, I'm going to Chicago. I, I can't believe you guys are going to be out there on the, sa- on, on the same night that I am. The Weez's response was, what are you looking for, free tickets? It's like, what? <laughs> Oh, what? Wow. No, I don't want free tickets. I was I was looking to hang out with you, but now go blow. I was going to show you my Chicago, but now now. Now I'm is this like when you showed Jimmy your Pittsburgh? That's right. Uh, <laughs> don't you throw that in my face? <laughs> All right. Yeah. What happened happened. Well, the man uh, has no taste, no class. I showed him a, a side of Pittsburgh. T Bone, how about uh, we're going to do some Germany or Florida? Oh boy! Give us one more. We talk too much. Give us, give us another news. Do we do? Uh, let's do another news well, story. Quick, quick, in, quick in, a, in a quarter. Yeah. I'm stupid and I'm a fat ass. I love it when my man Chuck socks it to me in the ass. I once took on a pro football team, and I don't just mean two at a time. I mean more. To me, there's nothing more delicious than jism. I love it. I like to smear it all over my face like oh, Pond's cold is cream. So good. Is there anything in this life I like more than cock sucking? Okay. Well, one thing on occasion. <laughs> I was put on this earth for one thing and one thing only, sucking a foot-long cock. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness you don't have By the way, uh, I just broke out in a sweat. I should mention, everyone, we got a, uh, we got a nice ringtone on uh, iTunes, Sandy. That was it. Sandy and I, <laughs> that reminded me, because that's going to be one, too. Sandy, uh, Gans and I, Sandy gave me the, uh, hey, we got to remind everyone we got a nice ringtone. It's a funny one. Uh, check it out on iTunes. And again, all that money just goes to uh, keeping everyone paid and keeping us afloat, and it's funny, so check it out. But, uh, yeah, it'll be the next iTunes. Oh, Brian, nice. I'll never play that again. When did you nice get work. the capacity to record us? I was told this was months away from happening. Well, yeah. that's the plan. All right, T-Bone, let's, uh, let's wrap up the uh, rest of the news here. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Thank you. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that you are thinking about taking the GMATs. Mm-hmm. This is an important test mm-hmm. for uh, going to graduate school. GMATs? Yeah, it's like the SAT, but for grad school. Mm-hmm. There's a GMAT prep course, mm-hmm. and um, they are suggesting that to do well on the GMATs, one strategy is to think like Adam Carolla. Huh? Yes, this was sent to me by a couple of our listeners. Wow. Um, a guy wrote, wrote, who works one of these prep courses, the very famous one, um, wrote an article <clears throat> about how thinking like you is going to help on your GMAT. Did you guys yeah. know what GMATs were? <laughs> I, I was really, is that the medical one? I was really, <laughs> I'm a dope. Yeah. It's different yeah. than the MCAT and the GRE, but I'm not sure how. Yeah. GMAT right. for grad school, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, so he says, it's that quick thinking on your feet ability of Corolla's that you will need to summon often on the GMAT. Can it be true that emulating the former host of The Man Show and Loveline and the current king of podcasting will help you conquer the GMAT? Wow. And he talks about we'll what... We'll see, Matt. <clears throat> talks Is he about... talking to a guy named Matt? No. And just kept saying GMAT? No, no. Are you sure? It's at, think, believe that's an acronym. Yes. All right. Uh... He says you're a bit, what can't Adam complain about? Acronym, by the way, is when the word can be spelled backward and forward the same way. Oh, thank no. you. No. Keep going. That's why I'm the king of the G-Man. <laughs> he says uh, your quick-thinking improv background and your skeptic's view mm-hmm. is something that you should uh, employ when taking the G-Man. Like, I don't know. I don't trust you numbers. Critical reasoning. Kind of they have critical right. reasoning questions, right. and you should always read them with a skeptic's eye. He really should have picked the guy who at least took the SATs. You didn't he, even, even take if, the SATs? Uh, never took them. Well, again, you know, where, where was I going? 
I mean, uh, it'd be it'd be it'd be like you you saying uh, it'd be like if you knew you were going to prison in three weeks and you said like, "Well, I I really got to lose some weight and pluck my eyebrows." You know what I mean? Like, where are you going? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> Why should we have taken the SATs? You're no one's going to college. It's been exercise and futility. No, oh, no one's going anywhere. Dave took the SATs. Of course, yeah. Dave's parents loved him. <laughs> you probably did well. Some say too Such much. Some say too much. <laughs> I loved you. Some I say, say too, much. too much. I've told you that a oh, million times. You don't have you to say it. it. We can feel it. I know it. Listen, <laughs> you always complain. Oh, my my parents didn't love me enough. Mine loved me too much. They sent me out into the world, and then I was devastated when I found out the whole world didn't care for me in that way. They they had created this false sense, this false reality for yeah. me. Yeah, was devastating to me. It still is. Mm. It was like that scene in Paper Line when Al, Alan Alda was playing uh, George Plimpton, I think. There was a mm-hmm. scene where he was at the Lions training camp, and he bootlegged one. He started running, and they all started, like, diving at his feet. But you could tell they were missing <laughs> intentionally. And Alan Alda, like, ran in the end zone. Like, hey, just beat Alex Karras into the... And it turns out they were just fake tackling. That's exactly That's what your right. parents did to you. They yep. fake tackled you. That's exactly and right. And what you right. needed was a nice forearm shiver. Because that's what life has given you. (laughs) In the form of Adam Carolla when I went over to watch football and he refused to speak to me. One year, only for a year. For an entire year? Well, it was really just a season. One season. It was a football season. But Hench and I sat there like, what the hell? What's that? Did you notice that he didn't speak to us for eight hours? But he made eye contact or no? Yeah, which made it worse. That's even creepier. It was kind of like, yeah, hey, Jimmy, hey, Sal. It was during the probation <laughs> period. That just creeped me out what you just did. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. A lot of, I won't mention any names, but there's some crew that's been suckered in. Speaking of football, there's a lot, we, we could, there could be a thinning of the herd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. I see. We got an open season on a few of those guys. We can get that Ted Nugent out there with a crossbow and thin that herd out a little bit. Why? <laughs> because Kimmel oh. ignored the one year probationary period. He's so cordial and so friendly to everyone right at the get-go. Not Dawson. You're right, but there was only, but, but you're, <laughs> you're bringing up the, the one herd. Dawson was <laughs> the one person <laughs> who was actually formally removed from the herd is sitting I got 11 feet from you. I got Dawson, over it. Dawson was told to hit the bricks because he, uh, just two infractions. Right. One is, I didn't know the Chargers had a bye day. He claimed to be a big Chargers fan. It's a number, to know numbers game. It's what's, numbers game. What's that? It's a numbers game. Yeah. Wanted to know what set the Chargers were on, and everyone had explained. Yo, the bros, had a, come on. Why aren't the Chargers on the big screen? And then wow. <laughs> Whatever, dude. What was the second infraction? The second infraction is he did like uh, panini with American cheese or something. Oh, no bullshit. What was it? I used jack cheese in a calzone. Well, there you go. What? He told, no, he told no, no, not jack Jimmy, cheese Jimmy, in a Jimmy calzone. Imagine. That was, now, that Adam, was you've met Jimmy Kimmel, right? He's, he, he's usually, you can, he's open to suggestions, you know? Sure. It's an open <laughs> book. Wait, open. no, I thought the infraction. He's, he's, he's in the oven, in the brick oven, literally throwing calzones in there. And Dawson comes over like, yo, bro, oh, I know a better way to make calzones. I did not Yeah, he wanted that. to put Velveeta in a calzone. You gotta throw, you you gotta this throw the jack story. cheese and the American cheese in there. It got blown out of portion. I thought he brought people Look, with him, and that was the infraction. I, no, I had the opportunity <laughs> to go to Jimmy Kimmel's house every Sunday and watch football. I showed up early. I always left before the second game. I always brought something to eat. When uninvited, 
I thought you were a delight. I thought you were a delight, but I, my vote didn't count. For uh, you. Yeah, I understand that I was a fringe. No, no, there. You, I wasn't listen, one of Jimmy's you, friends. You were made really. an example of, and it was unfair. <laughs> sure. No, it's not. It's not right. The calzone is what sort of pulled the hammer back, oh, and then the squeezing Jesus. of the trigger was the Chargers by. Week. But how Be wary if you ever go. Just don't make how? conversation with Jimmy unless you got all your ducks well, in a row. Right. Yeah. Ready. Or have back. some provolone. Right. <laughs> now, how was this information transmitted to Dawson? I think it was on the show. On the air. It was done on the air. That was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were in the God. room. I think yeah. I stole. I think you just yeah. blocked that out. That, uh, you're right because that was the part. You're that like that was the most Linda Lovelace in her first car accident. She I forgot oh all God. about it. I had actually thought I was playing along with a joke. On the air that time, and then I went to the uh, office and emailed Jimmy, and I'm like, "So I'll see you Sunday, right?" Oh, and no. he's like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "But, but I, I just bought a whole trough of Velveeta. What the <laughs> hell am I gonna do with it?" That was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh God, oh, well. I did. I be happy it wasn't you. Yeah. Blocked it out. You should, you know, you should got, you should get drunk and go over there one night. And you, you should be like, uh, you know what? <laughs> I I don't even like calamari. And, and and another thing, I like pineapple on my pizza. So fuck you, bitch. <laughs> She's got a whole Italian food-related argument. Or how about just every football Sunday you drive I like by. a pizzone every once in a while. <laughs> right? You just, just do leave. the drive drive slow by. Yep, yeah, and you yeah, leave and a block of jack cheese. out the window of my truck. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll know. I love the idea know. that that was the tipping point. But what's wrong with it? And I also like the idea that everyone punished him for naively not knowing his team at a bye week. Well, I will time. say I thought that was that was That, was, that, was, that, was, that was an attack. Yeah, it was, and uh, the only thing I can think of uh, from a so-called fan that was worse was uh, a man who was at a Super Bowl that his team was participating in and leaving at halftime. I wanted to watch on TV. I couldn't <laughs> take it anymore. They wouldn't show any replays. You on the were at division. the game. You were at the game. I was sitting behind like some black guy. I was on a cell phone the whole time. I was distracted. The seats weren't good. I, you can't see if the guy's foot was in or out. They don't replay. They didn't replay the shit on the Diamond Vision or whatever. I, like, I couldn't take it. It was much better at home. All right, T. Do we have time for one last home. story? Ah, yeah, spit it out. I'll make it quick. Jason Bateman is a techie, but apparently he's got clout. The Juno star was waiting in line at a California mall with 2,000 other people trying to buy the new Apple iPhone when a store employee spotted him and escorted him into the store. Well, that did not sit well with the people in the line. And sure. he was the recipient of a large amount of nerd rage. Sure. Everyone started booing and hissing, according to a, we- a witness uh, who spoke to Us Weekly and said the crowd freaked and booed and he put his head down. But Bateman was able to drown out the noise and simply walked inside, got his phone, and, and hurried out of the store. <laughs> there's a real who's on first kind of thing here because uh, there's a whole, like, uh, a uh, uh, who spoke uh, from Us Weekly, a guy from Us us, yeah, us, weekly. us Weekly. And there's a, uh, the beginning of the story had like a Mac. What's the top of that story? Let me hear that story right now. Uh, Jason, Jason Maven is a techie? No. But apparently it's The Juno star was waiting in line oh, Friday. Yeah, there's a, did you know date? Jason oh, the Bateman Juno, is yeah. A, Juno. Us Weekly. We can work it out. We don't have enough time. Here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> I felt the ire of a nerd uh, firsthand. Nerd rage? Yes. Because uh, we did a, we did a, a man show bit once where everyone was camped out to see Star Wars. Was it the fourth star? I think it was the fourth one. Yeah, must it was have been, a, must have been two thousand something like that. 
and Dave could tell one. me the exact ninety-seven. Oh, the, Jar Binks, the right. first one, right, right. So I the don't first, acknowledge those one. movies exist. So, all right, uh, <laughs> they're out from the uh, Chinese theater out here in Los Angeles, and uh, Jimmy and I—they're all camped out for the last week, and then Jimmy and I just walked to the front of the camp line and just pitched our tent and said he was—I uh, guess he was dressed as Yoda. I was dressed as uh, Darth Maul or whatever his name was. I don't know. Richard Maul. I was one of the guys. I, he was the other guy. And we just parked it right in the front. And, and these guys were going nuts. <laughs> they were there. And Jimmy was like talking to him in the Yoda voice. And they were pissed <laughs> as shit. I mean, they were. It was like somebody stuffed a calzone with the wrong cheese. They were right? that kind of pissed. And uh, they just were fucking pissed. And even though there was a camera like rolling on them and stuff, somehow. I guess sleeping on a sidewalk for a week and being first, the guy, whoever was first, we just went, you know, two feet in front of him and put our tent there like the day before the thing opened. And uh, it's a weird, the nerd rage is a weird rage because it's actually, it's more powerful than jock rage or roid rage or guys going to do something about it rage because the guy who's going to do something about it rage you don't really hear his rage. You feel it. Like that guy gives a, dude, that wasn't cool. And then you feel your head hit the pavement. But you don't get that long soliloquy of here's what I'm going to do to you. And here's why this is wrong. And here, Those guys aren't long on verbiage. They're, they let their fists literally do their talking. So actually, somewhere around minute 10 when a guy's explaining to you what a big dick you are, you can relax. Because something would have happened in the first 20 seconds. Chuck Liddell would have done something to you in the first minute of the exchange, not by minute 14, you're cool. And so these guys would just come at you and come at you and come at you, but it was all verbal. And if you just kind of... I believe it was Admiral Akbar who first said it. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And that was it. But they certainly would never do anything physically, but because they've never done physical things in their life, their verbal assault, they double down on the verbal. It's weird because... Badass dudes do a quiet, man, that wasn't cool. And then they either punch you or they don't, but that's about it. They don't just keep going and going and going, and that's what these guys could do. Well, there's also righteous indignation, mm-hmm. because you really were doing something fucked up when you right. cut in front of the line. So yeah. they really were on the side of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And right. the case of Jason But Bain, had, they, had they known how fucking bad that movie was... They would have been they fine They would have thanked us. They would have. Yes. Uh, I should say that Jason Bateman has taken to his Twitter account to say that this story is untrue. He says, uh, there wasn't one boo, not one hiss. The Apple guy brought me in away from the paparazzi, period. I was content in line. I wish I'd stayed. Yeah. And you know, I'm a, I'm a big celebrity, too, because back when we were on terrestrial radio, we're, I was doing spots for Apple... And I said to the uh, chick, she wasn't from Apple, but she was like from the ad agency. I was like, you know, turns out I do need a new laptop. So, you know, seeing as I'm doing commercials and everything, do you think I get a little love? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, it doesn't have to be a freebie, but, you know, should I just go to the Apple store and, you know, just buy one? Why not? Well, (laughs) you know, we have a relationship and everything. Do you think you could talk to someone? They're not, uh, they're not good at that. Well, maybe you could ask. Mm, they don't really offer discounts. No, like, wow, ninety-seven point three percent of all of our employees remember what you did at that Star Wars line. I, I had this. That's, that's what happened. I thought, really, I had this thought of like, I, I just grew up where it's like, oh, Pat Boone, 
he does the Chevrolet commercials every year, and then he's just driving around a fully loaded Bel Air that they give him every year, or a new Corvette or something like that. That's not how it worked. It doesn't work that way anymore. You just do your shit and then you leave, but there's no, it's sort of like that payola part, like with cops and stuff like, you know, where you reach over and you hand the officer your registration, there's a 20 in it and things kind of go away. That's gone. And so is the part where you do a commercial for, I don't know, Taco Bell or whoever, and you just get some free shit. They don't do it anymore. I mean, they pay you, but there's none of that. Oh, you know, give Mm -hmm. Corolla the new, uh, give him the new laptop there. He did that. Nope. Yeah, because I feel like in your house, I'd walk in and there would just be freezers full of Klondikes everywhere, as far as the eye could see. I got six of them. That's it. Yeah. This is uncomfortable, but Pizza Hut just dropped off a half dozen Pizzones for my dog. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right, let's bring it home. Is that the news? Yeah, thanks to uh, Katie Levine and Gary Smith for helping me out. I don't know this name. (laughs) The news with Teresa Strasser. Eat a dick, MSNBC. They're uh, still my one-year probationary period, Dave. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> Do you, like but that. could you pick, well, you could pick Katie out because she's female, but do you, could you think you could pick Gary out of a lineup? Oh, yeah. Tough but fair, Adam. Let me just say this. Not Blaster a lineup girl. of people that are here, <laughs> but if you had just black guys that were in the prison and you put <laughs> you Gary in there, I could one. definitely pick right. him we out. Call Bla- we call Katie Blaster Girl on uh, Dave's Thunder. Yeah, that's and, what I hear. And there, she, the, the men are gaga for her online. They yeah. are speculating about how foxy she is. Everybody wants to bed down with her. She is. I feel like she's an Angie in training. She's got a way about her. I will definitely say that about Katie. She's got a certain... uh, Yeah, we did a little uh, gig in Brea, and uh, I drove her back to the shop that night, and we had a conversation... I got, really got to know her. And again, I, I'd, I'd uh, decided to set my one-year probationary period rule aside because I had to hear my own voice. You know, it's weird because I have a rule where I have to hear my own voice, but also the <laughs> one-year rule. And so we were, it was like the two rules mashing up against each other on the hour-long drive back from Brea. But we spoke. I got to know her well, and then I forgot all about it. <laughs> Quick break to tell you about our friends over at Talkspace. Everyone's racing to get back to normal, but getting back to feeling normal, well, that can take a little bit of time. Now's the time to prioritize your mental health. This is such an important subject. Take care of yourself mentally, and then all the other things come quite easily. We uh, talk to our friends and our family through tough times, but they they don't always have good advice, especially my family. Um, Reach out to people who know. I'm lucky. I uh, have a therapist. I know Dr. Drew. I can talk to uh, many people about many situations, but uh, for others, they don't have that access. Well, they do now. Talkspace makes it easy to match with a licensed therapist, send unlimited messages, and schedule live video sessions from the comfort of your device, by the way. Uh, Start messaging the day you sign up. Individual and couples therapy and medication prescription services as well. Talkspace works around your schedule at your convenience. Go anywhere and take your therapist with you. That's Talkspace, right, Dawson? Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with promo code ADAM. That's $100 off when you use code ADAM at Talkspace.com. And that was Dave Damashek making his triumphant return to the Adam Carolla Show. Carolla Classics returns with part two. We've got some more clips for you, so tune in. We'll see you there. Uh-huh. 
Another day, another unknown. It could bring your biggest order yet or a new cyber threat. Whatever happens, Comcast Business will keep you ready with a network that can deliver gig speeds to the most businesses. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary.